What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Of course, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl later on in the show. We have our Super Bowl 54 matchup now set. The Kansas City Chiefs, after taking out the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game, will be taking on the 49ers who took care of business against the Packers. It's a clash of styles. Um, a lot of different interesting storylines, so we'll break that all down um, later on in the show. Also, we have uh, our, of course, our Who's Flames, Who's Trash segment. Uh, we'll talk about NBA All-Star because we have our starters that were announced today uh, and some interesting results in the voting, which were obviously a mixture of the fan vote, the media vote, and, um, and some, some third factor. I forgot which one it was, but um, we'll break down uh, the results of that and, and, and what we how we see the rest of the All-Star thing shaking out. And, of course, Zion Williamson. So it should be a great show. I'm excited to do it. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall. Kendall, I'd be remiss not to talk about a couple of things real quick. One, um, did you see the Mets hired a new manager, Luis Rojas? If you guys listened to our show last week, we were talking about whether or not the Mets should fire Bellatron or would they fire Bellatron. I said on this show, Kendall, that... I, the way it seemed like they were kind of just waiting for this to die down, I thought they might actually try to stick this out. And just like everything we do with this show in baseball, usually the result comes out two days later and kind of ruins that segment of the show. But two days later, Beltran announces he's parting ways with the team. And now in comes Rojas. He's only 38 years old. 38 years old, Kendall. Uh, he did manage in Binghamton in 2018, but no MLB managerial experience. He does come from uh, Dominican baseball royalty because he is the son of Felipe Alou and the brother. Oh, my guy. Your, your guy. He used to coach, he used to manage the uh, Giants. And I his brother it. is Moises, obviously, Moises Alou, who's yes. played for the Mets uh, in the end of his career. So, a quick update Moises on that. Moises of, uh, of Bartman fame. <laughs> oh, that's Chicago so, Cubs. Yo, that's so funny. Like, when you're, when you're invested in your team, sometimes – you just completely forget that, like, the player that you rooted for or player that you followed, like, had way bigger moments in their career beyond whatever you dealt them with. And, like, that's a perfect example. Because you mentioned Bartman, and if for those who are unclear, Moses Alou, if you remember the Steve Bartman play with the Chicago Cubs in the 2003 World Series, um, the guy, the Cubs fan who was wearing the Cubs hat and the headphones who who reached over the, the barri- over the barricade to, to try to catch a foul ball that was about to go into the glove of, as Kendall mentioned, Moises Alou, who was playing the outfield during that game. I totally forgot that. I totally forgot that he was the guy until you just mentioned it. I always think of him as a Mets uh, outfielder who was like 40 <laughs> years old and always hurt, but always still solid. Like, he yeah. he like, played like half the season, both the two seasons he was there, but he was really good. That's how I remember Moises Alou. Almost anyone else... Who thinks about baseball just like you, you know, which makes sense. You think of Moises Alou as Bartman play, one of the most infamous <laughs> baseball plays in the history of the game. I totally oh, yeah. blacked it out. I'm thinking about Moises Alou being on those rosters that failed to get past, failed to get to the playoffs after those massive collapses in September. Because I still can't get over that personally. Yeah, what I will say about this hire is um, good by the Mets to, because uh, I talked about how the Mets were in kind of the. The toughest position. So, and look, you can look at it both ways when it comes to the Mets, Red Sox, Astros, who had the easiest, who had the toughest. I I felt the Mets had it the toughest because they were coming from a position of not having top-tier talent um, to where the players can kind of play, can kind of run the team anyway, kind of already have a system in place. 
Um, and they were hiring a new manager. Some people thought that was a that was a uh, a plus. That look, they're hiring a new manager. So regardless whether it's Beltron or now Rojas, it's gonna it was gonna be a change of style anyway. So you know whether or not they have a new guy now or they had him a couple months ago in Beltron it doesn't make a difference. Whereas AJ Hinch and Alex Cora had their systems already in place and now had that ripped from under them you know, a month before spring training. Uh, I always felt that that wasn't as big a deal because, like I said, the Red Sox and the Astros had a lot of talent. But with that being said, I will give the Mets credit in that, look, while I don't think they were coming from a position of power uh, or put in a position of power, they acted quickly and quicker than those other two teams. I mean, look, I think the Astros, their owner, uh, was talking about, you know, they, he, wants to have a, he wants to have a manager set by, like, February 6th or something like that. I'm like... I mean, that, what's that like? Uh, two weeks from now, like yeah, and that's like only a couple of weeks before pitchers and catchers. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I know you don't want to rush the decision, but I, I mean, this the time, not, the time is like of the essence for sure. Yeah, time is of the essence. <laughs> yeah, time is absolutely of the essence. I mean, he's already met with like five or six guys. What, what else do you have to deliberate on? So I don't know. Um, I will give the Mets Mets credit. They didn't. They weren't. Uh, you know slacking around on this hire but i think it's part part of that is because they don't have they don't have the luxury of a team like houston or boston to kind of just do nothing and they'll still be feel like they'll still be fine because of the talent on the roster no that is that is a good point about the fact that because you're coming in with a new hire it was going to be new stuff regardless and rojas you know i saw people going both ways like i, I mentioned it last week on the show like i did think that I did agree with the people who thought that it might make sense to hire someone who had already been in the organization, maybe someone who already managed an organization like a Terry Collins, just to kind of get through the year. But the, re- the reason why I can still respect hiring someone like Rojas, number one, he is a guy that they thought very highly of. And while there were some questions when they hired Beltron and when they hired um, uh, uh, the last guy, who for some reason I can't remember his name. He's I've already Mickey, Mickey. Yeah, I've already <laughs> just erased that guy from my yeah. memory from seeing him manage baseball teams for two years. When Mickey Callaway was hired, you know, the question around Rojas was, is he ready to be a manager? He's from baseball royalty. He knows the game so well. He's super well liked. I mean, the clubhouse loves him. Actually, um, I, I was talking to a friend at work who knows some people who work uh, with the Binghamton um, minor league team. And they said that, you know, Rojas, he said Rojas, you know, was so well-liked by everyone. Nicest guy to everybody. And, and, you know, he's just an all-around good person. And that, that a lot of people were rooting for him. So, they were all the he had all the right quote-unquote intangibles. But the question was, you know, is he just too young for this gig? And you're doing it in New York City, a pressure cooker. Um, Mets fans, we're not Yankee fans, but, you know, we are demanding. So, there were questions about that. But what I do like about the hire is... He's young, so he could be your manager for like forty years. Obviously, that would never happen. But if that, if that <laughs> do you really want that, he did. But if that were to happen, it could happen. Um, but he at least be your manager for the foreseeable future. You want to be looking for another guy, like if you hired Terry Collins or some guy, uh, you know, uh, Buck Showalter or somebody just Dusty Baker. Yeah, Dusty Baker, someone to just fill the gap for a year. Like you would be looking for a manager next year. So any momentum you may gain, you you also will lose. Uh, the other reason why I think he's a, a smart hire is because. He's a young guy, but he's also someone who's in the clubhouse and part of the staff. So while, yes, 
when you're talking about a new manager, someone who's never managed, it won't be so completely unfamiliar to the players. It's almost like the best of both worlds. So instead of saying, all right, we're going to take, uh, you know, one of our minor league managers, even though he technically was one of their minor league managers, but take one of our minor league managers or one of our, uh, you know, former managers who are maybe older, who won't be the long-term answer and try not to just get through the year, um, but they at least have experience. Here, you're able to take a guy who may not have the experience, but at least still is familiar with how things are going. And now has a future that you can possibly build upon. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for this hire. I'm hoping that it, it goes well. And we'll see how that goes. Real quickly, I also want to mention um, we, we tomorrow, we're recording the show on Friday. So we should be on Thursday night. So by Friday, you may have already seen the announcement. But Eli Manning, uh, expected to, well, he will announce his retirement during a press conference Friday. He announced his retirement uh, to the New York Giants earlier this week. I got to tip my cap. There's really not much else to really say. I mean, we've had to fight about whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. I don't really Yeah, all these that. people coming out. Is Eli a Hall of Famer? Is he not? I, it's do, a we fun, have, do we need to have that conversation? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's me. Like, sometimes, man, like, it maybe because me and you, we've just been watching sports for so long. We've been invested in this. We love this as much as we do. There are some, like, topics that are, like, just great talkers that people just beat with a dead horse. And, like, you know, LeBron and Jordan... Um, you know, Peyton, you know, is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? <laughs> right. Like, you know, there's some that like they're all good talkers. Like, you can talk about them and debate them because there aren't. She very, she very Bond Bond's Hall of Fame. Like, there are some that are just like easy talkers. You can talk about them forever because there's no real right or wrong answer. It's it's very up in the air. It's very you know, I beauty in the eye of the beholder. And Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame is one of them. I think that is there are great cases for both. In fact, as I've said on this show, I feel I once strongly argued that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And when we talked about it earlier this season, when we saw he was getting benched and that this could possibly be his last year, we argued on the show again. And I changed my mind. After really thinking about it and hearing the other side, I then said, no, I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame based on a multitude of factors I don't want to get into because, man, sometimes we just talk about this stuff too much. Like, there's <laughs> so much stuff in terms we can talk about. Like, to be, to be in 2019, 2020, we're still arguing about whether or not Eli Manning's a Hall of Fame. We won't have to really answer that question for another five years. Yeah, we, like, have, we won't have to answer it. And, like, relax. the facts haven't changed at all, really, in the last two or three years. Yeah, because he ain't done nothing in the last two or three years. So yeah, how, whatever you thought two or three years ago should be the same. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't change. It didn't get better. It didn't get worse. He's been the same guy. So, but, of course, it's a reason to kind of move the conversation beyond just his retirement. So I don't really want to get into that. I just want to more speak to just – um Tip my cap to a guy who someone mentioned it, man. Like, you know how hard it is to come and be the number one pick as a quarterback in New York City, and you deliver two Super Bowls. Like with the last name Manning with the last name Manning. That's I mean, yeah, it's very tough. You know, yeah, that's that's remarkable stuff. And you know, we can talk about oh, you know, he wasn't great for as long as he could have been, and um, all the people who like him say, oh, look, he he was he beat Tom Brady twice. Regardless, like just acknowledging just him as just as a player. Forget about where his standing is in the amongst the greats, just looking at him individually to, to play all those games and not miss a start, durable, tough, clutch. Not much negative really you could say about Eli Manning over the totality of his career. The fact that the Giants got, you know, 15, 16 years out of one guy is, um, I mean, I mean, was it 15? Yeah, it was about 16 years, right? Not 16 years. Yeah. You get 16 years out of one quarterback? I saw someone. That's, uh, that's nuts. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, I saw someone make the case 
Oh, it was uh, Clay Travis from Fox Sports. He was talking about uh, Eli, and he was like, imagine if a quarterback, imagine if Joe Burrow and Tua were drafted by the Bengals and Dolphins, and you told them, <laughs> you told those fan bases, yeah, that that guy is going to be your quarterback for 16 years, uh, retire with two Super Bowl MVPs. You're like, signing up. You're signing up for that. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're the, having a parade. The quickest, like we, we the quickest, quickest move. <laughs> you know, so that 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 should encompass what Eli meant to the New York Giant franchise, which is why I think, I mean, I, like if you talk to most real Giant fans, they love Eli. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know anyone that doesn't like him. That's a Giant fan. I think he's universally loved. Which is why when they tried to pull that trash move last year of benching him into for Tino Smith and not telling them and all that nonsense. Uh, they got crushed as they should have got crushed, but at the same time, um, again, you gotta pro- give props. You gotta tip your cat to Eli's career as a Jeff fan. You know, I gladly would wish to have a quarterback like Eli Manning. If Sam Darnold could give me 16 years and two championships, believe me, I would sign up for that uh, immediately. So, shouts to Eli Manning. Hope he enjoys retirement. What do you think is next for him? Do you think he coaches, or do you think he's in television, or do you think he's running a team? He seems like the kind of guy that's not leaving football. Uh, it's interesting. You know, Peyton right now is kind of not doing anything. He's kind of <laughs> doing television, but yeah, he's doing not, the television thing, not in not the way that like thing. Romo is doing it. Like, yeah, he's not doing the analyst thing. He's doing more the I'm the producer type. Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of doing it on his own time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Eli? I see Eli coach, but I don't know. We'll see. I can see him doing maybe college football, coaching college football. Oh. I can see that too. I don't know why. I think Eli always to me, he always looked more like a coach to me than Peyton Manning. I know that sounds that's gonna sound nuts to a lot of people listening to this podcast, but Peyton Manning to me always just seemed almost too cerebral. It's crazy sound. He almost seemed too cerebral to be a coach. Like I think he would feel it was beneath him. Right. Like he'd think that oh he's too smart to be doing this. Like he should be hiring someone to do it for him, and he'd rather run a team to me. I don't know if I can—I mean, Eli might want to run a team, but I can absolutely see Eli wanting to, like, be an offensive coordinator and call plays two years from yeah. now at, like, Texas or somewhere and then exactly. becoming a head coach very quickly. I could definitely see that. And, um, I mean, look, imagine—I <laughs> mean, I mean, Eli as a head coach in college football, like— and, again, I, I, I always say, but, like, it's not that, it's not that hard. Like, just, like, it's not easy. I'm not saying anybody can walk in and do it, but— if you if you put the right people around him, like if, you, if he knows the game offensively enough to where you say give him a year or two to just learn college football, like intricacies of running a program at a high level, yeah, I mean he, he would he should be able to do fine. Absolutely, shout out to Eli Manning. If you want to spot on the new generation uh, podcast network, I'm sure we can find a spot for him in retirement. But if that's not the case, uh, we wish him luck uh, in his future endeavors. Zion Williamson, Kendall. That was fun Wednesday night watching Zion. So he made was his it, debut. Was it DJ? It was fun for the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to confess. Wait, what it was? Was so, so look, I was watching. I was watching the game. Um, well, first I was watching. I was watching uh, the Celtics. You know, we blew out the Grizzlies. That was a nice win. Uh, then I was watching at, at nine o'clock. I was watching Memphis. They were playing Tulsa. Memphis. Uh, Memphis Tigers, they lost by 40, so that wasn't great. Wait, Memphis lost by 40 this week? <laughs> to, to Tulsa, yeah. Oh, my God. That, that was bad, yeah. 
<laughs> one of the worst losses in, from a ranked team moving to, a, to an unranked team in college basketball history. That's nuts. Lose by 40 to an unranked so, team. I, so no surprise. I turned off that game pretty quickly. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, so right when the Zion game came on at 930, I watched that. Um, watched the first three quarters. It it was it was boring. I was like, look, we're not getting much from this. I went to sleep. Oh went to sleep. no! I had it on my TV, but I, just, I fell asleep. Oh no! <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like, you know, I have sports centers rolling in the background of my TV. And I kind of hear the, like them talking in the middle of the night. Them talking about like, oh, the Zion performance and stuff. I'm like, why is everybody going crazy? Like, <laughs> like I saw him score two points. Yeah, you kind of gimpy, you know. Had he had a night, you know, a layup here or there, or whatever. And then I see what he did in the fourth quarter. Um, and I was wow. That that now answers the question of why you were not answering the text in the group chat because our brother yes. Henry, who's a diehard Pelicans fan, obviously he watched the game because I expected him to watch the game regardless of how late it shows. Which also tells you something about Pelicans fans. Their their excitement for Zion because as anyone knows our brother Henry Stewart not a late person who stays up late that that made no sense but you know what I'm saying like not someone who regardless of I was gonna say late riser but that's a morning person but not regardless of if he has you know it can be the summer yeah. winter doesn't matter yeah he's an early riser he's not someone who who uh who stays up late for a lot of things and on a week night in the middle of the week, I could I was even a little bit surprised, honestly, to see that he was still up watching Zion. But it's the Pelicans, man. This is Zion Williamson, and this is how these fans feel about him. And if you watch that fourth quarter, you, you understood that this was um this was potentially the, the makings of definitely a different new era in New Orleans, because that fourth quarter was electric. So Zion Williamson as Kendall said, the the uh the first three quarters, there really wasn't much happening. Um, he was, as Kendall, he, Kendall used the word gimpy. I wouldn't say gimpy. I'd say his timing was off. Uh, he, he just he didn't look a little gimpy? I don't think he was gimpy. I, I saw some people made that case and some people disputed it. I, I, that was Man, yo, if you've not played five on five in like four months and you just get thrown out there. Like, I, not even that. I mean, you're gonna look weird. Like, I don't care how great you look, how great you just are. Look, he just looked a little awkward on the court. And I think it was because he. I don't think it was because he was gimpy. Clearly, because the fourth quarter he looked fine. I think it was more of but, I hadn't played in four months. In my opinion, you don't think he was favoring his, his leg at all? No, not when I saw him jump over Jacopo for a rebound in the fourth quarter. No, <laughs> right, I think right. he had to get his timing right. Man, I'm telling you, you've not played five on five and. Again, in four months, and you just thrown out there, you're gonna look crazy. Like I'm, I don't yeah. care who it is, you're just that's gonna, why, you're yeah, gonna look why, crazy. That's why there are people uh, making the case. Well, you know, he should have looked better considering he, you know, was out ten to twelve weeks instead of the sixty-eight that we thought he was gonna be out. And I mean, my thing is like it's his first game anyway. Yeah, either way, you know, yeah. whether or not like his first NBA yeah, game. <laughs> yeah, if you, if I mean. If he didn't play in a year, I mean, look at Gordon Hayward. Like, Gordon Hayward came back. He didn't necessarily rush his recovery. Right. He came back, and he still it still took him two years to come back. Yeah, look at Porzingis now. Yeah, exactly. Look at Chris Porzingis. Now, for every those guys, you'll get Ben Simmons, who 
looked great when he came back. Right, you know, Blake, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin looked right. great when he came back. But, you know, Zion clearly probably isn't still physically 100%. You know he's 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 probably closer to seventy five eighty. Um, once he gets his that, and also he's not in the the best shape to begin with. Right. Those guys are obviously supreme athletes, Simmons and Griffin, uh, in terms of like physical peak condition. Zion's not there yet, uh, as Mark Jackson will let you know. <laughs> oh man, boy, he let <laughs> that everybody. That was an interesting. Uh, that was an interesting call that game with uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Yeah, I saw some people were like, man, I really got to listen to Jeff and Mark on Zion's first game. <laughs> I, I didn't see a lot of that. Um, um, but I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those guys get a hard time. I don't think, I didn't think they were that bad. Oh, no, they, yeah, they, well, they weren't bad. It was just like, it's just like you hear it's almost guys, distracting, I guess, for a lot of people. Probably, yeah, probably a little distracting. Yeah, because like you're so focused on wanting to see like this guy and like you're getting all the, like in some ways, like it's kind of like, this is a weird example, but it's kind of like, you know, when LeBron James' first high school game was broadcasted by, you know, Bill Walton and Jay Billis. It's kind of like, I mean, this is fine, but, like, these guys have never seen him before. They don't really follow him that closely. So, like, they're, like, watching and, like, getting impressions just like we are, kind of just, like, without thought yeah. or without, that's like, why, yeah, much that's backstory. Why like, like I, I almost, like, if I, if I had a choice, I almost would have liked to have listened to just the Pelicans podcast, the Pelicans broadcast of them because they <laughs> right. know him they've seen his development they know everything about him yeah. like and they're not like throwing in their like pop culture references and general nba references like they're just focused on the game and zion so uh right. so I, I got that but they man people were really upset online but zion scored 17 straight points in the fourth quarter he ended the game with 22 points and that as kendall said if you watched only the first three quarters what i just said should be shocking to you because that it did not look like we were going to see anything like that um that final stat line based on how he was playing. Kendall used the word Gimpy. I'll say just completely, utterly not ready to play. I'm completely not having any uh, timing at all. No impact on the game. Yeah, he had very passive, very little impact on the game. And the fourth quarter came in, he got hot from three. And as I said on Twitter, I never would have expected that Zion would have New Orleans um, and Twitter going that crazy in his first game. For three point shots, never in a million years. But I'll tell you what, man, I was sitting on my couch and I was yelling and screaming. Luckily, my girlfriend was in Dallas, so she wasn't. I didn't wake anybody up. It was just me in my own apartment by myself. I'm yelling and screaming because this, this, it was crazy. Um, for a guy who people would say this is his main weakness, see him just drilling threes, and these joints were pure. They were flat. <laughs> they were as flat as Kyrie's Earth Theory, but they were indeed. Drilling nothing but net. Um, and in and, and a close game in the fourth quarter. And it was crazy because you saw Gentry, you know, going back and forth about whether or not he was going to take him out. He put Melly into the, into the, uh, at the scorer's table. Then he took him away. Then he put him back. Like he was having trouble clearly because the fans did not want to see Zion go. The team was actually playing better. So the idea of like, if you take him out, you risk losing the game, which is eventually what happened. Um, and like, this could absolutely help his timing and his confidence when you have him playing this well. Why would you want to break that rhythm? But Gentry eventually did pull the trigger on him. But um, as someone who did watch this game, and again, someone who barely made it through those first three quarters, so the first three quarters were super rough, I, obviously there's still a lot to, to, to determine. I'm not going to 
make some crazy proclamation after one game. I saw some people after one game saying, can Zion Williamson catch John Morant for Rookie of the Year? And I was like, come on, man. Why are we doing this? Can't we just enjoy the game, have fun, and then not say crazy hot yeah. take prediction stuff after every single thing that happens in the sports it's sad ever? Say this, but, like, from just a media perspective, I, I, think, I think Zion could. And it, it's not. It, sh- it shouldn't be the case. But I just think if that first game is any indication, like Morant hasn't gotten that much coverage all season than Zion got in that one game, it's which crazy. is very it, it's problematic yes. for Morant's Morant rookie of the year uh, chances. Now, look, I, I don't know if Zion's going to play that well in every game. You know, I don't think Morant's going to play as poorly as he did against Boston every game. And nobody I, can, I can guarantee you that he will not play as poorly as he did against Boston. Right, exactly. And I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody cares because right, everyone's exactly. talking about Zion. But, um, but like, I mean, if you watch Morant on a night-to-night basis, there should be no conversation. You know, if he plays, if he gets up to seventy something games, there's, there's no way he he shouldn't win Rookie of the Year, unless yeah. Zion's like averages thirty the rest of the year, which isn't gonna happen. So. But uh, unfortunately, the way the the way he, he's been covered so far, and the way he's covered at Duke, I, it wouldn't shock me if Zion made it a series push. It's uh, it's it's, it's a media of, award. It, it, yeah, it is a media award, and it is unfortunate that Ja could just be pushed away like that. Um, but I don't disagree. Like it's, it. it if Zion went crazy, I wouldn't surprise me. But in my opinion, after they did not give Joel Embiid the Rookie of the Year award, which I thought was a mistake, let me be clear. Joel Embiid was far and away, not even close, Jimmy the best Dario rookie. Sorry. The best should not have been Dario Sarge. It should have been Joel Embiid. The best rookie during his rookie year. They did not give it to him because they thought he didn't play enough games. He might play like 30 games or whatever. Is Joel Embiid having the best season from that rookie class? Or is it Malcolm Brogdon? <laughs> uh, I'm still going with Embiid. So technically, that's not Embiid's draft class because he was. Well, I said rookie Wiggins. class. Oh, said rookie class. So that's fair. I, uh, I would still go with Embiid, though. Uh, Philly has not had a year to write home about. Ben Simmons is playing better now that Embiid is gone, which is like raises some eyebrows and questions. It's, if you ask yeah, me. it's a real question. Um, but uh, but no, I think that what I will say is. Is again, like I said before, I think that clearly, like the energy around New Orleans is special when this guy plays. Clearly, he's got the goods. The question now will be can he stay healthy and what is the health risk? Um, the fact that they were that scared to play him more than 18 minutes in his first game after he hasn't played all year, it, it came from a knee, so I kind of get it. But even when he was playing so well, they still didn't want to push it. Okay, that's something I at least, you know, I'm not going to say is a big deal, but something that to keep in the back of my head about what his long-term health situation is going to be like. And um, and, and and at the end of the day, we'll see. It is crazy, though. Like, Zion has not played in, again, like three or four months. I've seen Brandon Ingram play all season on this terrible team, but Brandon Ingram's had a very solid season. He's averaging 25 points a game. Zion Williamson... Day one, best player on the team. It's it's crazy. And I don't know, maybe you'll disagree, but I don't know anybody who watched the game who could say Brandon Ingram is still their best player. Like, 
Zion just changes the entire landscape of the game. The and gravity, see, yeah. like people forget, like when they took Zion out, they put in the starters. They put in Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram, and they couldn't get a basket. Yeah. They were running the show with Ball and, and Williamson, and the Spurs couldn't stop them. This is Zion, who hasn't played in a month, who looked terrible for three quarters, just turning it on in the fourth quarter. And and like I said, I'm, like, as I texted in that text group, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Lonzo Ball, man. At a certain point, we got to start talking about this guy and, you know, has he turned the corner in his development? Because he's starting to look more and more like the point guard that I expect him to look like for his career. Not shooting the ball always well, but he's shooting the ball yeah. a little better recently. And he's, you know, he's been a, an assist and rebounding machine. Lonzo, LaMelo, Mark Jackson, Jello, Knicks. Oh, God, no. That was LeVar, that was LeVar's take, that the, the, the Knicks need to hire Mark Jackson and bring all the ball boys in. So we're back he on said, this. Uh, he would turn them into this Flash Brothers. <laughs> Which is just... Absurd. Yeah, it's funny that you. Said, I didn't even catch that part of it. I saw the first part of it, but do you, yeah. you real? It's funny that he said that because when I started to think of the idea of Alonzo and Lamelo backcourt, like that would be like the worst shooting backcourt in the history of the NBA. Yeah, it'd be like the you get line. no floor spacing with those guys at all. Yeah, yeah. I saw like uh, you'd be a you'd be a you'd be a psycho to put those two guys in the same backcourt. <laughs> Because so there, you know, somebody. Uh, I think I was talking to to our brother Henry about it. He's a Pelicans fan, obviously. He mentioned should the Pelicans get Lamelo Ball? I was like, <laughs> they, you know, the spacing on that roster with Ingram, <laughs> Ball, Zion, Ball, and Ball. Williamson is the best shooter out of those three. Four yeah. five guys. Um. Yeah. No. Like, I mean, if Zion is healthy. I think it's pretty obvious. We saw in the in the preseason. We're not mm-hmm. only preseason. A great sample. It was five games. Mm-hmm. He was by far the best player. On yeah. Team. You know, and Ingram's played great so far this season. He's got the longevity to you know argument, but in terms of who has the highest upside for what for you know this season, even Zion when he's healthy and in shape and in basketball shape. I mean, yeah. He's, he's he's the best player, but um, do they do they play like that? You know, because Ingram, it's, it's going to be an adjustment for him to play with this kind of to play with this kind of guy. You know, he's been the go to guy uh, so far this season. Um, now he's got to kind of adjust his, his his style of play. Yeah, and I mean, to me, you know, I feel like I kind of saw it a little bit in how he played in that fourth quarter. Like to me, like it, it seemed like. Even even though Zion wasn't even out there with him, it felt like the 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 weight of Zion, no pun intended, the weight of Zion and his impact on the game, like Ingram having to try to replicate that, like I could see him struggling with it on the court without Zion. So imagine when Zion is in the fold and he's playing with him and how he may have to adjust his game to Zion and how that will change the dynamic. I do think that's going to be something to follow because of how, uh, just how great Zion is, and, and also how great Ingram has been, and how uh, there's going to be some kind of adjustment to how they uh, figure out, you know, what's how they're going to play together. I do want to quickly talk about NBA All Star because we do have our starting lineup set finally. So, uh, of course, we're doing the 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 draft situation, which we've been doing for the last two years. That's gone really well. So, the Western Conference starters, the pool will include LeBron James, who will serve as a team captain, along with Anthony Davis, James Harden. Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic, Doncic being the first 
first time All Star in that uh, grouping. And in the Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo would be the captain for the second year in a row, along with LeBron James, who's serving captain, serving as a captain for the second year in a row. Uh, he'll lead, uh, well, not lead, but he'll be part of a pool of players in the Eastern Conference that will start with Joel Embiid, Kemba Walker, Pascal Siakam, and uh, Trey Young, with Pascal Siakam and Young being the first-time All-Stars in the East. Kendall, these are the starters. What did you make quickly of uh, of how the, the vote ended up? Of course, there is a, a, a plethora of, um, of criteria in terms of how they come to it. It's, and then it, they weigh it out with a weighted score. So it includes fan voting, player voting, and media voting. So that is yeah. your three criteria. Yeah. I um, look, The West was very easy. No, no real debate. I would have I would have loved if, you know, the fans could have gotten Doncic to that number one spot, but uh, over LeBron. But um, honestly, they got to get rid of this whole, you know, I this whole, you know, guys could be the captain two or three years in a row. Because yeah, that's starting to get played out. I, from what I remember, I thought that was a thing when they when they started this was that we're not going to have the same captains. I feel like I remember hearing that too. But I don't year. know if it, and then maybe I, maybe plus sports plus sports made some calls and been like, nah, nah, fam. Yeah, because I thought they I thought they said that like LeBron, the only reason he could do it two years in a row is because he's going to the West. Different conference, so like, right? So it was gonna be it was gonna be a different Tell me, man. Clutch sports is making the rules. Like the rules were what they said probably, and then. Yeah, cause I could have swore that was the Rich Paul was like, yo, man, LeBron's in the West. How come he can't captain? And then, yeah, like, all right, well, you want Luka Doncic to be the captain? Then, then all right, we have LeBron captain. And this year, they're like, all right, well, why can't he? Why is he captaining this year? And he's like, yo, man, he's LeBron. I gotta let him captain. And Adam Silver's like, all right, whatever. So, so I mean, look, yeah, I, I mean, you do this drafting, but like seeing LeBron and Giannis two years in a row is not good television. It's just not good for television, and it's cool, but. It would have been way more interesting if we would have gotten Doncic and Embiid, definitely Doncic and Trey Young. Even was probably what it could have ended up being, which would have been, I mean, that could have been problematic as well. But like, that's that's how the fans vote, <laughs> and that's how they do it. Or don't make it between, don't make it between conferences. Make it Doncic Harden or Doncic and Anthony Davis, whatever it would have been. That would have been much more intriguing to me than seeing those two guys again. But in terms of guys that made it, the West was very easy. Uh, the East, um, I think the only debate for me would have been between Trey Young and Bradley Beal. Um, I so not, so not Ben Simmons. <laughs> nah, not Ben Simmons. Because no. Ben Simmons was uh, he was the the third ranking uh, media vote in this uh, in this pool of players. Simmons was Simmons. I mean, he's played he's played well as of late. I, I think he's trying to do that that All Star push, and you know. It's, Good for him, yeah. We, I, I, I know that act. You know, we've seen it. But throughout the season, they, he's they, Lillard, they Lillard is like a, a master. He's a Jedi master. At the All Star, sixty. Al Hill and the guy getting sixty. Brandon Ingram's doing it now. But um, yeah, no, I think that's what Simmons is doing, and you know, credit to him. But he hasn't had a great year. Uh, Trey Young has had a great year. Um, I think Beal has had a great individual year. Uh, his shooting numbers aren't terrific. You know, he's only shooting like 32%, I think, from three, which isn't great, especially for him. Um, he's having 27 points a game, which isn't as much as Trey Young. But I don't know. I just think that 
his team is first of all, his team's better than Trey Young. But second of all, I don't think he's got even as much talent around him as Trey Young has. Which isn't much, but I don't know. You could, be, you could make that case. I mean the <laughs> You know, Wizards, he's playing with really bad players. Yeah, the Wizards, I mean, are are a mess. Um yeah. I mean the Hawks are also a mess. Neither team has a lot of talent. Let's make that clear. Yeah. Uh, but I mean the Hawks, you got John Collins and Parker. I mean, those guys are NBA players. Collins has been suspended, obviously. Right. Uh, Collins played nineteen games so far this year. Um DeAndre Hunter has played the most games from this year. So I mean that says a lot considering he's only a rookie. He's played forty four games, started a forty three. Um, I think in terms of in terms of the West, I, I agree. I don't think there really was much uh really a conversation to be had about anyone else making it. Uh, the front court, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, that's fine. I mean, Jokic's great season, Paul George having a great season, but not enough to, I think, to surpass those guys. Um, it's crazy that Melo is still, like, really high. Like, he was sixth. I thought that was fascinating. Um, he was ahead of, like, Brandon Ingram. You know, just, you know, way ahead of Rudy Gobert, who still gets no respect when he comes to All-Star games, which is sad. And Carolina Towns, like, just crazy stuff to me. Uh, and the guards, you got uh, Luka Dodgers and James Harden, which, again, that makes sense. You know, Dame Lillard and Westbrook would have been your other choices, but I don't think either guy uh, has really a, a case in that conversation. So I was uh, I was pretty much cool with those picks for the West and in the East. I, I, I'm actually I, – I can't put Trey Young in the starting lineup when you're the, you're, you're, your team is the worst team. And I, I get that his numbers are fantastic and – I get that he's a, a budding star. He's one of the most exciting players in the league. Do you see him throw the ball between the guy's legs and pull up from 40? <laughs> I don't know if you saw that play. A couple days. I did not. I mean, which one? You know, yeah, well, well, he threw it through the guy. The guy, it's the guy was guarding him. It was almost like, you know, hot sauce. Like he threw it between the guy's legs and then shot a three-point shot from 35 feet. He missed yeah, it. I mean, it sounds like Trey Young. <laughs> yeah, and he missed it. But to me, that almost was kind of like, in a way, that kind of was like the point of why I couldn't make him an all-star starter. Because as great as a talent as he is, it just seems like the Hawks are just like a, it's just a Trey Young show. Like, right. what, what are you doing throwing the ball between someone's legs and shooting from thirty five feet in a competitive game? Like, you know, uh, like there's no reason right. to ever do that. Like, you're only doing that for the show. And like, that's kind of my issue with the Hawks and their team this year. It's been a, just a complete mess and a, and a disappointing year. And while he, I don't not do not agree with the people who are saying that he's not an All Star. I feel like someone recently. I don't know if it's Kendrick Perkins or someone made that case that Trey Young can't should I think it was Kendrick Perkins who said Trey Young should not be an all star because he's on the worst team. Right. I, I, Rose, I think he mentioned Yeah, I, well, I, I want Dar- with that. Derrick Rose makes it. I really hope he makes it. And I um, think that Derrick Rose definitely has with it has being a shot. In Chicago, I think the NBA is gonna put something good <laughs> might snuff the votes a little bit, might you know, you know, change the vote a little bit, make sure he gets in. Derrick Rose is gonna have a shot. I mean, I, I would be I would be cool if he he gets it, in. Somehow. At the very least, I'd be shocked if if someone gets hurt if he's not in ultimate. Oh, yeah, he will. If someone if he doesn't make it and someone gets hurt, I don't care if it's Joel and B or Joel and B is hurt. So I guess maybe he will be the alternate. But it could be a center. It could be any position. He will be the alternate. They're gonna make sure that Rhodes is in Chicago for the All Star game. But I, I don't, as far as who that guy is, I don't know. I, I think that the players went with Beal as the second guy. I think I might. I, Kyrie. I know it's not it's not exciting, man. But I might have went with Kyle Lowry. <laughs> no, sir, like so, you just think that's ridiculous. The, the, 
Why is that so crazy? Seriously. Kyle Lowry, man. Look, Kyle Lowry hasn't had a bad year. but He hasn't. He's been playing fine. I don't know, man. Look, his team. The, everybody like, thought, like, uh, like, I, I thought the Raptors would still be really good. But the Raptors, a lot of people the thought Raptors the Raptors would, be, would fall off. You think the Raptors would be would be better off with Kyle Lowry than with Trey Young? No, I'm talking about for the All Star game that, and still and and, prepare, and like Trey Young is getting. As, look, I'm not. I do not want to diss Trey Young. You know how much I. You know how much I love Trey Young, but Trey Young is getting a lot of empty numbers. They got to keep it 100. Like I can't, I can't just go look at numbers and just say, oh, because only because of his numbers. I don't care that his team losing every game, losing these games by a wide margin. They're not even competitive most nights. That that like I'm that means he should start. I gotta give give some credence to guys who are playing on winning winning teams, playing in competitive games, and Kyle Lowry is having a solid season, playing on a team that people thought was not going to be all that great. They have thirty wins. Um, he's averaging twenty and seven. Field goal percentage is not great, forty percent, but he's. He's shooting a lot of threes, so that's what. And then some of these field goal percentages are going to be kind of wonky because all these guys are taking uh, as many threes as they are. He's taking almost nine threes a game, so that's going to throw off a lot of these field goal percentages. And we're going to have to think about we're going to have to think about field goal percentage as a measure of how you shoot for the foreseeable future, particularly for high volume guys. But I mean, the guy's a, a, a strong defensive player. He's a pit bull. He's a leader, and to be the point guard of a team that's playing that well, that a lot of people wrote off, I do think that he deserves some some consideration. I don't know if I want to give it to Bia, who's on another bad team. Like I think I might want to give it to that guy who's who's playing well on a good team. What do you make of this? Is just something I, I noticed. Um, what do you make of, of players voting Bam Adebayo over Jimmy Butler? Is that just because there's more guys in the league that that went to Kentucky that just put Bam on the on the, on the ballot, or is it just or is he or, or is Jimmy Butler just not liked around the league? It's a great question. Because um, I, I don't, I don't. It could be both. It could be a mix of both. But that's a great question because you would think, because of the emphasis on guards, or ball dominant players in this genre, in this NBA, in this era, you would think that the players would respect the guy who's the ball dom, the most dom, ball dominant guy on the team who takes the most shot, the clutch player, the alpha dog type guy. Right. So it is interesting that. Here you have players saying, no, the guy who's doing the dirty work, who's grabbing all the rebounds, who's a hell of a passer for, to be you know, the center, and who's kind of the unheralded guy, he's the guy that really is running the, running the show, and he's the guy that really should get the all-star votes. I, I just can't think, I don't. I just don't think that if we honestly ask those players, do you think that Bam Adebayo is better than Jimmy Butler? No, I can't, I can't, I don't think with a straight face that they will all, that most of them think that he is. So I do think there is some level of hate that's involved in that vote. I don't know what is what is, you know, spurning that level of hate, or spawning rather that level of hate for Jimmy. Cause it does seem odd. Bam out of the is having a great season, and I'm really stoked that the players thought that high of him to get that much all star consideration. He's probably gonna make it just looking at the looking at the numbers. Yeah, with the way the media with the way yeah, I mean with the way the fan the the players thought of him and and even his 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 rank among the media was really good. He was fifth amongst yes. front court players. Fans don't care about him, but the fans don't know anything <laughs> about yeah. guy Bam out of the Fans want so, to Taco Fall. Right, exactly. So so you know Taco Fall. Yeah, he made this list. So so that 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 shows you a lot. So you're right. I mean Bam is going to have a shot, but 
I, I think that is an interesting. I didn't even pick up on that until you, you mentioned it. That is an interesting uh, observation. Because I, I always like to look at how the players voted with, uh, you know, <laughs> they with with their peers, you know. Um, we need to get rid of the fan vote, man. I know this is a, a, a this is a thing. Yo, I've been saying I've been yo I've been saying this for like I, I've been saying this for at least seven or eight years now. Fan voting in the All Star game totally unnecessary. Like and people and people always say that it's a fans game. I'm telling you, the, per, the percentage of people, the percentage of people who watch the All Star game who voted for the All Stars, five percent. I'm. I mean, I'm serious. I. I guarantee you, it's. It's no more than five percent. Like, it's. It, it, you know, it's so. It's to me, it's so absurd that such a small group of people who actually are invested in watching the All Star game. Now, I'm so glad that now they've kind of took away some of their power, so we don't have. Yeah, kind of, so we don't have. Everything. We don't have Grant Hill playing five games in a season and then getting voted to start in the All Star game, or Yao Ming playing no games but getting voted to the All Star game, like. To me, like that's just I, stupid. Like he can't play, so what? The fan vote there clearly doesn't make any sense. Like, because we're being real. Like, if the fan vote was was still around, like, and it was the only factor, like, I think Taco Fall would have had a shot. Yeah, if there was an actual I, motivation I to get him really in, had no shot. right? And he, people were still really, voting him in. Like, yeah, if they were, still, yeah. If people knew that they they could influence the the Taco Fall being in the All Star game, I totally think he had a shot because he didn't have a lot of competition at the Giannis. There weren't that many other fan favorite kind of people in the front court, so he could have garnered a ton of votes. Especially Boston, you know they did they would have that yeah, fan exactly. base would have pushed a huge them. city. Yeah, so that was so that's and that's precisely why. I, I mean, I think the NBA is, is doing a good job. I think they've done enough. Like they do it to where because the NBA wants to have the fan vote to generate interest in the event. I just don't like, think it does. I think that it's the only I think reason that we're talking about the All Star game right now is because. Not not because of the fan vote, but the only reason we've talked about it in the last two or three weeks is because of the fan vote, you know. And that is what the NBA wants. I just think I they mean want that... people engaging mm-hmm. online or engaging, you know, getting clicks. You know, that's that's the reason for it from a from a business perspective. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, and this may go to your point, but at the end of the day, the the difference, especially after the recent changes. The difference in the rosters with or without the fan vote is almost none. Yeah, the fan vote. I mean, uh, they they've pretty much they whether or not you may you may get a guy into the starting lineup because of the fan vote, but the guys that were going to make it are going to make it, and the guys that weren't going to make it because they don't affect the the reserves anyway. So the guys that yeah. weren't going to make it with the fan vote weren't going to make it anyway. Right, which I think is why that what the NBA is doing. I'm, I'm fine with the NBA is doing if they wanted to leave it like this, but I think overall sports and fan voting all star all star games. Completely overrated. I don't think it has. I think it has. I think you all you make very solid points about driving conversation and driving interest uh, in, in the event leading up to the week in the weeks leading up to the event. You know, even the totals of like the the fan voting and who's in first and who's in second. Like that stuff still generates some buzz sometimes. Like just like you said, Taco Fall and how well he was doing was generating some buzz. I just don't think that more people are going to watch the All Star Game because of the conversation we had about Taco Fall three weeks ago. I don't. I don't buy it. I, I've never bought it. I don't think it makes any sense in baseball. I think it's stupid. I think that it taints the All Star game because you have people being voted in purely because they're just they're just popular. 
Not even because they're having also, really good seasons. In today's day and, and age, I, I just don't think, and I don't think the fan and the percentage of people again who are watching the game, there aren't enough of them to where, oh my god, my favorite guy didn't get it. Well, I'm not going to watch the All Star game. Like I don't think that's happening. Most of the time, people are just going to the, you know, in baseball, a lot of times it was people going to the to, to the to the baseball games and filling out a ballot and doing like that. Now, obviously, it's electronic, so it's a little different. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that it's it's yeah. Today's day and age, the fan vote is so electronic. It, I mean, it's so uh, it's so uh, outdated and so ridiculous. Yeah, today's day and age of electronic voting, like it's also like I don't think it's dangerous because I mean we're talking about basketball, but it, it's it, it's problematic because we don't know how we don't know how what what votes are real. We don't know how many people are voting with how many different devices and putting in millions of votes a day. Well, like, you're a San Francisco Giant fan. I mean, how many times during those like last roster fan vote that did you guys you know hack the system to get your guys in? Like legitimately, I know I use hack as you know in kind of like a you know they didn't actually hack the system, but they would they they had a system. The fans had a system of making sure they flooded the ballot box in ways that were like ridiculous, and then. The idea was people, you know, baseball fans or people who defended the move would be like, well, they're the fans who are most passionate. So that guy deserves to be in. It's like, that's not the spirit of what you're trying to do. Like, it's not a stuff the ballot box thing. It's supposed to be who do you think is the best player who deserves a spot? Not, I like this guy and he should be in. That doesn't make any sense. That was the case to just make every roster spot a, 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 a full fan vote but that's the, the hard me, the hard part is that there really is no real scientific way of doing it honestly what they have right now is probably the most the best way of doing it because like i think you just let the coaches pick the teams i don't have i have no even issue. then with the coaches now we get into politics you know all right i don't know we have we never have issue with the politics of the reserves i don't know why it would make any difference if they were picking the starters <sighs> we've had we've been watching them pick the reserves ever since i've been watching basketball and we talk I mean, about there are, all the where we, there are years where we're upset, saying, "Oh, you know, this guy didn't make it because he plays in a small market, or this guy." But that's every year. Like, that's every like it's not going to change because they're picking the stars. I mean, yeah, that's not yeah, it's not going to change anyway. They, it's, like, it's happening now. So what's the difference? But I guess just my thing is that like if you do if you do the media, just in any sports, any any sport when you're trying to pick something, trying to award something. Whether it's the Hall of Fame, we talk about politics. Whether it's the you you can have you know like I said the media with the Hall of Fame. You could have a committee with like college basketball or college football. Like any any system that you use, you have computers like we had in college football, or we have sometimes in college basketball. Like any system is always going to be some sort of bias or some sort of you know error that we look at and say, all right. Whether it's human error or computer error, we're going to look at it and say this doesn't make sense and we're going to critique it. So the best way is to just compile all of those into one into one metric. It's cool. I'm fine with the way the NBA does it. It feels me fan voting will be banned from all All-Star games. I think it's pointless. I think it only, it only creates for stupid things happen. It only creates the opportunity for stupid things to happen, which we've seen happen over the course of whoever started the idea of doing the fan vote. My thing is just the benefit of it isn't worth that nonsense. Just eliminate it. And no, I'm telling you, nobody would care. Nobody would blink an eye. You talk about it for a day and nobody would care. It's just, it's, it, to me, it's just it's ridiculous and a pointless practice. Anyway, that's how I feel about uh, all-star voting. By the way, did you see the all-star uniforms? Yeah, not, not a huge fan. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be a huge fan of these. Um, it's a little too bright. 
a little too, you know, I'm usually not that not a stickler for bright colors, but it's a little too uh, a little too colorful. From what I understand, yeah. they're supposed to be a shout out to the L line. Yeah, yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. I've never, yeah. I never worn. I never, actually not worn. I never been to Chicago, so I don't know what that. Chicago is a nice city, from what I've heard. Everyone says that. I want to go. To be clear, I do want to go, and hope one day I hope I do go. But yeah, yeah. I've seen the uniforms to uh, Space Jam. I did see uniforms to Space Jam. People are loving I, the Monster uniforms. Yeah, all oh, those little goofy that the Monsters have a Nike check. <laughs> it's goofy that both of them joints have Nike checks. Yeah, but especially like the Monster, considering they're going after LeBron, who's a Nike athlete. <laughs> that is. <laughs> It's like, why would Nike outfit the monster? I mean, I guess unless you can, maybe that's in the story. I don't know, but once you do something where like they like, they they you know, blackmailed them or something. I was, like, I was, like, I was like, is this some rogue? Uh, yeah, maybe they blackmailed them or maybe there's some rogue uh, executive at Nike that actually hates LeBron, but somehow still got this. Right. Somehow still got someone. Be, still got someone to, to, to manufacture the swish onto the monster uniform. It would have been funny if the Monster uniforms were like Jordan Brand or something. <laughs> I did think that it was cool. I did think it was kind of funny that the Tomb Star uniforms kind of replicate the uh, having the ad on the uniform thing by having the What's Up Doc patch. Yeah, yeah. On the upper left, like NBA, yeah, yeah. NBA uniform. I it's kind of it's kind of goofy, but it's it's I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I did see the uniforms. Like, that's the answer. To your LeBron's All Star uni- all LeBron's All Star sneakers are also going to be Monster themed. Um, and then he has Toon Squad shoes also coming out. So why wouldn't, I, I, why wouldn't he wear? Why wouldn't he wear the 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 Toon Squad? I mean, the, the Monsters ones are nice. I mean, I see. Yeah, I, I'm looking at them now. They are nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a good question. They haven't released the the Toon Squad ones yet. But um, I would expect that we see a uh, trailer soon. Now that we're getting all this. Wouldn't surprise me if we get one All Star Weekend. When's When's this movie come out? Uh, supposed to come out. The word I believe is supposed to be maybe January of twenty one. Okay. Or either January or summer of twenty one. We, I don't know if they they pushed it back. The first word was do it January. I can see them doing like a. It's, I can see them doing like a April teaser. That yeah, that feels right. A little, you know, one minute teaser. Yeah, July, July of twenty twenty one. July of twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Yeah, so. I can see him doing a spring teaser. Something really quick. They may want to do like a full thing when, uh, like next year, All Star Break. Because this movie's not, it's still a ways away. Not a thing about it. It's one more season. Yeah, but they, but you, you know, something like this, though, you can see why 18's not going but anywhere. Because of like LeBron's schedule and stuff, they, you know, they're shooting over the course of a long time, so. Yeah, yeah, they've been shooting for a while, so they have footage. Yeah, so they'll have they'll have stuff that they can use. I'm, I'm sure that there will be enough to maybe do some kind of teaser or something. Um, but the, <laughs> like I was saying though, like this is a uh, part of the reason why we're not going to get was part of the reason why AD is not going anywhere next year. Oh, to so. just finish Space Jam. Not, not just to finish it, but just like the movie would be borderline derailed if he's like all of a sudden on a different team. Oh. I mean, that, that is true. If they assume he's a Laker, I've heard some people say he's going to sign a one, a one plus one. I did I hear say. about that, and that that would. So, I you know I always hear this stuff because you know they're at some at this point, man. I'm not saying it will never happen, 
But the people who are like trying to piece together somehow how these stars are gonna end up on the Knicks through free agency, they they look like tinfoil hat dudes. Like, oh, like every time I, they're like, oh, AD sign one plus one deal helps the Knicks because they get to improve the roster, get themselves ready for twenty twenty one, and then piece together AD with you know Giannis. I'm just like, yo, we're not doing this again. We are not doing this again. Done with that. Well, those guys, if some reason someone comes here, great. I'm not even thinking about. I even make them guys. Anybody signing with the New York Knicks ever, ever? The Knicks, though, I, I go all in on trying to get uh, Bradley Beal. How would I get Bradley Beal if I'm a Nick? What do I have on my roster? I mean, Knicks. We pretend like I they mean, have no. The Knicks passes. always. Have, have the Knicks, no the Knicks have will have a high draft pick this year and probably now, wanna, next year. now. The question is just: Do you want to gut the roster for Bradley Beal? Maybe not, but. Like, well, here's the thing. It's not even about nobody gutting the, on this roster being on. Well, that's the thing. It's not about gutting the roster as much as it is gutting your assets. That's what I mean. Because like, Cause I don't care roster, about. Well, you want to get the roster. Besides RJ, I don't care if Nick and I think any Nick fan would agree. I don't care about anybody else on the roster. <laughs> not for a star. Roster. Now there are some guys. We're talking about a, a you know like, I'm, I'm saying a star. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, I'm not trading. Andre Drummond so in benching Mitchell Robinson. Like, you no, know, like, it's not stupid stuff like that. Right, but, right, you know, right. like, I do have a preference for protecting Mitchell Robinson. I do have a preference for Frank being in the fold in some way. I'm not saying, you no, know, I'm not going to bring a great point guard, but I would like to put him, make him my backup point guard moving forward, or at least continue to develop him maybe for one more year. But, yeah, of course, those guys are not untouchable. I would trade those guys. If, RJ's the last guy you want to Yeah, RJ, I'm trying to hold on to unless I'm getting a megastar. You know what I'm saying? And right. Beal's a great player. I don't think he... I'm now, not sure the thing if he about Beal that is that, level. like... I mean, look, Barrett can play with Beal, but, like, they also are both two guards at heart, so... There, there is that thinking that Barrett eventually should play the three, and he... Maybe he will eventually play the three. Right. Which he's is six, why... He's, he's six foot seven. You remember, he's only 19 years old, so he still hasn't really grown into whatever his man body will be. Right. And he kind of was billed as a small forward in high school. Initially, yes. So that's you know he got he played the two in college because he had Cam Reddish. You know, it was, a, right, right. it was a very 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 lucky situation over at Duke. But a lot of you know, and if you remember watching at Duke, a lot of these teams like their the opposing shooting guard he was going against was short because a lot of these teams don't play six foot seven shooting guards like even in college like that's a big shooting guard. Yeah. So like, you know, there there is the idea that you could put him at the three and and and, and that. RJ will eventually grow into the size. Now, look, look, if Bradley Beal is ever seriously on the market, like the Knicks, I would imagine, like, imagine there would be plenty of teams that would offer, that would make offers for Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. which is why I think the Knicks might have to trade Barrett. But I'm just saying, like, like if they want to get relevant and get, um, I, you, you don't even want to talk about free agency, but, like, if you want to, you want to put yourself even on, on some level. Obviously, even this player vote in the All-Star game shows that Beal is popular. I think, like, he's the guy you want to target. That is, like, very gettable. I mean, I don't know if you saw his press conference, but he looks extremely dejected playing Washington right now. Even even with all that money, he still... I told you when they tra- yeah. signed him, I, I didn't think it changed anything. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, look, man, this is what you signed up for. He's like, I'm tired of losing and stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, these guys are getting smarter. They realize that these teams, they're way, they're, they, they, they're way less emboldened to sit through a 
a unhappy player regardless of their contract situations. Yeah. And it's making more sense to just sign the deal and then ask for a trade. But are you guys <laughs> like just that's exactly what Paul George did and it worked great. At the same time though, are the teams now getting smarter and saying it does, it's not worth that it's not worth trading for the guy. No, because the the war, Thunder did it. Well, yeah, the Thunder did it. Um, there are like, other teams that have done it recently too. Well, I'm saying it's not worth trading for the guy, i.e., Kevin Love. Like Kevin Love can sign his contract, but now like nobody wants to touch him because he signed that bad contract. I so don't know because I don't know. I I don't know. Like, look at uh, Chris Paul. Nah, he didn't want to get traded, but now he signed that contract. Now and now, he's, now he's, he's stuck in Oklahoma City. And nobody, well, I mean, now, like, or just like Melo was, where it's like, well, you got to buy him out. Because he's not, he's not yo, giving up that money. Yo, they asked Chris Paul if he was giving up that $40 million. Which was a dumb question. I, I was, I'm not answering. But he, <laughs> yeah. he was brazen enough to be like. Yo, he was be like, yo, that, that, that was funny. Like, the, the, yo, I would be like, yo, the goal. That's me. I'm just gonna wait my forty, my guaranteed forty. Yeah, I just don't like the optics of that, man. That is kind of a. I mean, I, I'm a. I mean, you know, I'm a journalist at heart, so I always make the case of man. Like there is interest in wondering if he would do it. It's, someone's got to ask the question, but whatever setting they asked him, it wasn't the right setting. And that's more of a yeah, question. I didn't know where he was. That's more of a question. I feel like you asked in like a you know a closed session or whatever. Like it's not something you do in a gaggle. I think. <laughs> but I think that's where he answered it. You know what I'm saying? That's like something you that's something that's something you do in a long form article about right. Chris Paul's time in in in, in what's yeah, name, and then it comes uh, out. One on one sit down television interview. Yeah, that's not something you do in front of other people. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> and you were like hell no, I'm not passing the forty million. Like it's like yo, you put him in a bad spot, and now like there are some people who look at him and say he's the greedy athlete. But yo, nobody in their right mind for any reasons ever just giving up forty million. Like not that's yet. never not gonna anybody happen. Anybody that makes any that's yeah, like saying their right mind, like anybody <laughs> right, exactly. Oh. Yeah, that, it's 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 that's like obvious. So hey, Chris Law's like, look, man, he like made him a child. He's like, man, I'm, I'm not Johnny Hustle. <laughs> like I'm not giving up forty million for the team <laughs> for the win. <laughs> Get out of here, man. Yeah, man, man, Machado. Shout out to Manny still Machado. Still one of all time. Still an all time quote. Oh, that's a, that's an all time quote for sure. I feel like they're they're. <laughs> I are, get post. I want to get a Manny Machado poster with the I'm I'm no Johnny Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I feel like there are a lot of like really great like recent quotes that don't get the all time love that they deserve, and and oh. that is that is absolutely one of them. That's that's a great quote <laughs> from uh, Manny Machado. Anyway, um. That's just nuts. Like a guy's about to be a free agent, and they ask him about like his laid back style. And he's just like, "Yo, man, I'm not Johnny Hustle." <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "I am a superstar prima donna, and you will treat me as such." Like I just think that that's this level of self awareness in Machado's quote was just like perfect. Um, two roll real quick, Kendall. It's happening in two weeks. Of course, we'll have a show next week, so we'll do our picks then. So I don't want to give away too much, but I do want to get your takeaways on what you saw from these two teams that uh, that will be playing the Chiefs and the 49ers. The Chiefs have made it very clear that um, they have no problem going down multiple scores and coming back. They look very comfortable. It almost looks like they welcome being down and then having the challenge of trying to come back because to see them do it again this week to the Titans, it was not it was not surprising because we know what kind of offense they have. We know how uh, dominant a team they could be, especially when they have all cylinders clicking. 
And the 49ers just, I mean, I, I had a bad feeling that that game could get out of hand. I picked the 49ers last week when we did this show. I don't want to say, oh, it was all about what I saw, you know, you know, five or six weeks ago when they played on Sunday Night Football. But sometimes you see two teams and you just realize, man, this team is just not ready for this kind of this kind of team. And the Packers, to me, good team, solid team. They knew how to win all year. But the 49ers just played with a level of physicality and toughness that um, and uh, and just just ferocity on defense that the, the Packers just weren't ready for. And um, what, I, what I think was surprising was just how physical the 49ers were at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side and how they would able to just blow them off the ball so easily. I didn't quite see that coming, but that's the MO of the 49ers, man. They're a rough and tough team. So I think that's going to make it for an interesting matchup, Kendall, this week, uh, this next week, rather, with the you know high-flying Niners, the high-flying Chiefs and the rough and tough Niners. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, this going to be a heck of a matchup. Um, obviously, San Francisco looked great in that uh, – National lacking of Green Bay, which uh, you know you hate to see for for Aaron Rodgers, the great Aaron Rodgers, and the great Green Bay Packers franchise. But for the, the, uh, the new listener, as you can hear, that is Kendall's sarcastic <laughs> voice being the pack, the Vikings fan on this show. Yo, we got to get Shamari on the show, man. Shamari sure, said, "Yo, I just listened to our hero talk. Shamari said he ain't coming on sports talk after the Packers lost. He may have came Shemari, on if they won. Shamari got smoke dodging." Smoke dodging extraordinaire. Look, he he he'll admit that he smoke dodging. He don't care. He don't care at all. Uh, listen to New Generation Hero Talk if you want to hear Shamari get the the Green Bay Packers smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, obviously uh, that was uh, that was a great performance from that San Francisco um, from that San Francisco defense, especially, but uh, also Raheem Mostert yeah. um, in the running game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to do much, and that's going to be what I'm interested to see in this in the Super Bowl, because I, I mean I just can't imagine. Like I don't know what happened to Green Bay. You know their defense hasn't been great all year, but I'm telling you, man. Like, like I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but they are who who I thought they were. Man. Like yeah. I, I'm not saying they're not a very good team or a good team, but they were not a great team. I don't care what their record says. They and were. So what's the deal with the NFC? Because I thought the NFC all year was a great conference. I and still think it is. I, in, the, in hindsight, like I almost wonder if the top tier of the AFC was better than the NFC. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, in the Super Bowl, but like, I don't. I don't think so because the Ravens and the Patriots lost to the Titans. I mean, yeah, they didn't look great, but I mean, are the Titans just better than we thought? I think the Titans improved over the course of the season. But they they they, they, they peaked at the right time. I thought they even competed in that last game. They did. Um, the the, the Titans. Peaked at the right time, they're probably a little better than a ninety-seven record. I don't think they're a great team, but they are a good team, and they play. The I right just way. look at you know, I mean, maybe you're right, but I just look at like, I mean, well, I'm a Vikings fan. That that Vikings fan, I mean, that Vikings team was, I you know, they weren't that good, and we 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 beat in New Orleans in a tight game. New Orleans clearly was overrated. Um, Green Bay looked great i guess and they didn't play great obviously against san francisco um seattle didn't play great didn't play particularly great against 
Philly, who didn't have Carson Wentz. I mean, it was just all around kind of a weird, um, all around kind of a weird conference. Uh-huh. Maybe it just goes back to what we were, what we've always said about uh, football, which is that um, the talent level in general is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I made the case that you know, the NFL has kind of ruined itself with hyper parity, and that for a while it was right. good, but now like the teams are so even that they're kind of discern- undiscernible from team to team, and anybody can kind of win. Um, I don't know if I feel that way necessarily about this year. There were a couple years, like a couple years ago, where I thought it was like, this is ridiculous. There are no good teams. And that was the year, uh, who won? That was the year that the Patriots beat the Falcons. And I didn't think either of those teams that won the Super Bowl were, were in the Super Bowl were great teams. So, like, that that certainly could be something to do with it. I don't know. I, I, I chalk it up more to, this is playoff football, man. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be... They're gonna be upsets, um, perfect. Yeah. They're gonna be ups. They're gonna be ups and downs, and that's just kind of how it is. I don't. I think that the football, NFL playoffs has kind of always been that way. Um, like I remember the Giants, you know, beat the 49ers in the playoffs. You know, the 80, 86 Giants. No, yeah, the eighty six Giants. And like you know, I mean, you would have thought the 49ers were just like a doormat. I mean, they they blew them off the field, and you know, it, the Forty ers obviously, you know, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, they not Joe Montana out the game. Like yeah, like. That, that was an all-time great franchise during their peak of their powers. And the Giants just blew them out of the arena. They beat them by at least 25, 30 points in that game. No, like, it's not, oh, the 49ers are a bad team or they're, they're overrated. It's like, man, it's football playoffs. It's football. It's playoffs. It's cold. It's winter outside. And the 49ers are playing in, you know, the windy, uh, you know, at that time, Giant Stadium in the Meadowlands. And, yeah, they played against a crazy defense. They got their doors blown off. It happens. I, I kind of chalk it up more to that this year in terms of, like, why some of these teams we thought were better maybe didn't perform as well. With, but with, with the Packers, though, again, that's a different story. I think that they never were that great. I think they were able to maneuver the season really well with a fairly favorable schedule. And, and they're, they're a good team. They're not a bit, they're not, you know, some, like, fraud or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But they were, they were a good team who maneuvered a pretty easy schedule. Uh, because they had a, a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl, who's you know still one of the best in the game, and 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 they they put together a really solid pass rush. And if you got those two things, you can win thirteen games in this NFL with that hyper parity. Uh, I, again, I did not think they were a great team. I think they finally went against a team who you could make the case is legitimately a great team. And the two times you seen them play, it looked like one of the teams shouldn't be on the field. And, I, and I'm telling you, if it, I think that the games were in Green Bay. I don't think it had been that much different. I think the 49ers are just that much better than the Packers. So that's why, you know, the game ended up how it, how it is. But as you said, I do want to give a massive shout-out to uh, this dude, Raheem Mozart. Because you talk about a guy, I think he was undrafted and bounced around the league. Been in Cleveland, Miami, Baltimore, Chicago. He was with the Jets for a little bit. Like, 27 years old, four, after four years in the league, finally getting his shot, he's had a great season in this kind of like two-back, three-back trio that they've run with Coleman, who got knocked out of the game last week, and Breda, who is not playing because he keeps fumbling too much. But to see this guy like burst onto the scene to have one of the greatest rushing games in the history of the NFL playoffs after being this unheralded, it shows you, man, like for not just in football but in life, never give up, never give up on your dreams. You know, Raheem Moore, Mozart had multiple chances to probably hang it up and say, this man not be it for me. And now he's going to the Super Bowl 
And he's going to be one of the key players to look at. They're running for over 200 yards and four touchdowns in the conference championship game. I think that's just a great story. I wanted to shout him out. But real yeah. quickly, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, look, I, I was, uh, obviously, I, I, was in, I was in Philly this year, and I, I saw, you know, guys like Greg Ward and Boston Scott. For sure. You know, beginning of the season on the practice squad, just grind themselves to by the time we get to the postseason, they're the two best players on the offense. Yeah. You can really, you and you, you being in, in a, in the facility, in the facility with an organization, Kendall, you can probably really speak to, you know, what it's like to be that guy who's like barely hanging on the roster or not yeah, on the roster. You, yeah, you really, and you doing really, some black, like doing what Mozart did. Like you could probably speak more to like just how remarkable yeah, you, that yeah, is. you really see the appreciation that these guys, because look, first of all, these guys aren't making a, lot, a whole lot. Oh, um, they are. They are essentially members of the team, but then it's also it's not easy. Imagine if you had a imagine if you were at a job. And like you were there week in week out, but then come like the actual come the actual come game time. It's a sport, obviously, but like come the actual time where you have to really do the do the job. They sit you out, and you make you know none of the money that any of your coworkers do. You do essentially the same grunt work throughout the week, but mm-hmm. then come show time, you're not out there. Like it, it's it, it's certainly not easy, but these guys put in the work, and you know when it's, it's it always happens because someone's gonna get hurt, especially in a position like running back where Mozart plays, and you know he's had those opportunities throughout his career. Eventually, someone picked him up uh, full time, and he's he's ran with this opportunity. But it's always it's it's definitely good to see, and you really now gain an appreciation for what these guys on the practice squad. Uh, what they what those positions actually mean because those aren't those aren't chump change uh spots it's kind of like having a guy on a two-way contract in the nba yeah yeah absolutely massive shout out to mozart and i know we're about to do flames and trash and he's not in my flames and trash this week but there are needs to leave richard sherman alone like he needs to leave him alone i'm tired of him every time coming out of nowhere well here's what i'll say i know richard sherman started this Years ago, by randomly attacking Revis, I understand that, but I did not need, you know, the one time we see Sherman get beat, which never happens, in a game where you know Sherman is playing out there after coming off an Achilles injury years ago, having a great season, um, end up later on getting a pick in the game. Uh, you tweeting, hey, this is why he's not a real cover corner. Come on, man, we don't need that. Sherman's a Hall of Famer. He's a great player. Um, yes, he does. You know, I, it's funny. I saw I had a. My Facebook, I put a, uh, I had a Facebook post from years ago, because I guess it was the same day, six years ago, when they beat Kaepernick and the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl, and Sherman had that infamous rant about Michael Crabtree, and I said, you know, Sherman is the kind of guy who, who who doesn't know the meaning of acting like you've been there before. But in some sense, I kind of wish Revis would act like he's been there before. You're going to the Hall of Fame, you had a great career, you're not playing. I don't need you taking shots at guys who are out there actually playing, trying to get to the Super Bowl. His team is dominating, and he got beat on one play against a fantastic receiver in Devontae Adams. I don't disagree that you are a better corner and that, you know, when we talk about Sherman, we do have to talk about that he's not a typical cover corner that follows people across the field. But that's not the time to be throwing shots. I just thought that was lame. Because Sherman is at a great season. He has a great story of him betting on himself. He's making all this money now in bonuses because he's – far surpassed expectations. He's an all pro. And now he's going to the Super Bowl. The guy's a legend. 
I, I, that was whack. Yeah, but Revis, Revis yeah. tends to do all that corny stuff sometimes. And I don't. I, you know me. I love Revis. I think Revis is the most talented New York athlete I've ever seen. So you know that needs to be prefaced when I say that what he did was mad corny. As uh, Revis never won a Super Bowl, right? No, he won one with the Pats. He won one with the Pats. That's uh, why he feels he has a license to just talk crazy now. You're right now he can talk. Yeah. Did Revis retired? I don't know if he. I didn't know he did. He did. <laughs> I was about to ask. I don't know if he actually officially did, but I feel like he, he, I feel like he might have signed one of those one day contracts with the Jets, which is weird because okay. I think that he didn't need to because he technically that was the last thing he played for. <laughs> so it wasn't like he. That be he could have just retired and he would have retired as a Jet. In my, in I mean, my yes, he was a free agent, but. right? And then nobody signed him. But to me, you would have. That means you retired as a Jet. Last time you played, you were on the Jets. But um, yeah, I believe he did one of those one day contracts. Yeah, he deals. retired. In 2018, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I just I thought that you know when you gonna make if you're gonna bring analysis. I'm not saying don't you know an analyze game and, and engage the fans on Twitter about the football games. That's totally cool. I just don't like if you're gonna you you're stoking old feuds from when you were playing through your analysis. I don't need that. You want you want to talk about you know another corner you don't think is that good and you want to talk about how he's not a real press corner whatever. That's fine. But when you attack Sherman when it's clearly a personal vendetta you have. Which is totally fair. I'm fine with you having a perfect vendetta because I think that Sherman has talked crazy about Revis in ways that are unfair. Revis, I don't care. Revis was better than Sherman at, in his prime, and that's easy I'm, to me. That's easy. I think anybody arguing that doesn't know football, and that's not. And that's absolutely not a disrespect to Richard Sherman. Though I know he will take it as that. That's fine, <laughs> but it's not a disrespect to Sherman. That's just how highly I think of Darrell Revis. I've never seen anybody do what Revis did for two years with the Jets. Because I didn't see Deion Sanders, honestly. That's because apparently that's the only other guy who did the kind of thing that Revis was doing. So we all, anybody on football knows he's not as good as our Revis. But like to like come out of nowhere and you're retired and talk take shots. I thought that was lame. Um, but I'm excited for Super Bowl, man. We see that see that Chiefs offense is clicking on all cylinders. Seeing them go up against this defense, it's going to be a, you know a battle of strength. Something's got to give. It should be a fun. Uh, Fun, uh, a fun matchup. We'll have a Super Bowl preview for you guys next week. But can I let's quickly wrap this show up to get and do uh, flames and trash. So I will go first with my flames, and I gotta go. I gotta give it to to, to the Derek Derek Jeter and Larry Walker, both guys inducted into the Hall of Fame. And as I told you before we did this show, one of the reasons why I had to make this flames not just beyond the fact that it was a big story this week, me being a New Yorker and Derek Jeter finally getting in. The one person did not vote him in, which made Yankee fans Yo, lose we, their minds. We gotta stop with these anonymous votes. Oh and yeah, me you one hundred percent on that. In twenty in twenty twenty, it's not hard to put out a list of who voted for who. It, it's not. In, in nineteen fifty eight, might not have been easy. You might have had to really look at things. You might have had to really compile a list. It may have taken a while. Probably wasn't worth it. But in twenty twenty, it's, it's very easy. It's easy. Yep, no, I totally agree with you. There's no reason to, to hide it, because now you give people the, I guess maybe you don't want, you want to leave it anonymous so that, like, you, you don't feel, so people don't feel pressured. Did I take, did the, the, the pool's not tainted. Right. Even, you know, though we, even though we know the voters, like, you don't want a guy who maybe got blasted last year for a vote to maybe vote differently right. because of how he reacted to his vote. Yeah, to me, to me, like, even if he's not being personally attacked, he's still being anonymously attacked now. Because even though we don't know who the person is, 
he's right. the, he or she is hearing everybody on TV, on social media, on the internet yelling about how that person is an idiot for not putting Jude in the Hall of Fame. So either to me, it's tainted either way. But like, so I, you know, there is a thing of like peer pressure, but like I don't care. Like if if you're too scared to put the same vote that you would put anonymously publicly, then that's a problem. You shouldn't you be voting? Yeah, then then either you shouldn't be voting or you shouldn't have voted the way you voted. Right, exactly. Or you wanted to vote. You know, like clearly there's a problem because like as much as there's a problem of like peer pressure if you do it publicly, if you do it anonymously, it gives you people the right to do crazy stuff. Like, like, like Brad, like Brad, like Brad, like Brad, yeah, like Brad Penny getting a vote. Right. Like yeah, just, oh yeah, I saw some guys getting votes. <laughs> like Brad Penny like, getting a vote is nuts. <laughs> I mean, I, I forgot some of the names. I, I mean, I, I know I saw a Fausto Soriano on that list. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, there was there was some strange, certainly a strange day that Brad Penny is certainly the probably the one that I did not see. That was probably Brad Penny one. is that's that's the one that I kept seeing. I was just like, yo, someone voted for Brad Penny. That's 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 crazy. I I really don't know what else to say. Like that is just JJ Putz got a vote. JJ Putz got a vote. See, I I guarantee you. Raul 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 Banyas got a vote. Raul Banyas. See, I like I I call Raul Banyas. Man, he was a little older, but it never once that I look at that dude and say he was elite. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, same with Brad Penny, honestly. But you know, I don't know. Eric Chavez got a vote. Some of this stuff is just—it's just ridiculous. So, so outside of that, though, I do want to give my the credit where credit is due to um, Jeter and Larry Walker. As I told you before we started the show, seeing now—I mean, it does kind of date me because now I feel like wow, I'm seeing a guy that I watched play go to the Hall of Fame, and that kind of makes you feel old. But on the flip side, like man, it is really cool to like watch guys that I saw in their primes be incredible and be like you know have my dad or have. You know, older folks who watch sports be like, we're watching a future Hall of Famer. And just how cool that was. And now see them in the Hall of Fame. Especially someone like Larry Walker, who had been, you know, fighting to get in. And this is his 10th year, and he's finally going to get in. Um, you know, Jeter is not much. I mean, we could talk forever about his accolades and what he deserves. Um, the captain of the Yankees, ultimate professional, ultimate gamer, ultimate clutch player. You know, the list goes on and on. But I do want to shout out Larry Walker specifically because, you know, there were a lot of questions about should he get in because he played at Coors Field during the steroid era. And, again, you know me, I think that I'm, I'm as we go further and further beyond the steroid era, I feel like we should almost put all these guys in. But definitely should put anybody in who has, uh, who, who you know, we have questions about. We don't, we have no evidence to suggest they use steroids. And particularly with someone like Larry Walker, Whose home and road splits really aren't that crazy. I know Coors Field was was really really tough to kind of gauge in the time where he was there, but Larry Walker was was uh, a great hitter even for the Montreal Expos before he got to uh, Colorado when it clearly his numbers jumped and he was in his prime of his career. Um, to me, it's simple. If the guy you were watching for an extended period of time was elite and dominant, put him in the Hall of Fame. Like yeah. there's, there's no if you don't think they use steroids, there's no reason to suggest they use steroids, and that. To me, there's no debate. Now, this is uh, this is going to rehash the same debate that we have every year. But do we think that this Astros thing should pour more smoke on the, the Bonds, Clemens, 
should be in the Hall of Fame thing? That's a great question, and I did I did think about that. It didn't look like neither of those guys got the kind of jump you would hope that yeah. would happen. Now I don't know. Yeah, when, I don't know if it's because like it was too recent. Yeah, I don't know when they voted. To be fair, yeah, like, I don't know. Most like, may have been you know cast. No, look, the thing came out in what November or whenever right. it came. Like like the you know the allegations and the stuff. So like this 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 isn't like new news, but the actual fallout and the Altuve buzzer stuff like. And the report came out recently, obviously. So that may not have affected this year, but I just look at that and I'm like, look, I, I mean, we've had many people come out and say, look, if as many pitchers come out and say, I'd much rather have guys on steroids facing me than guys that know what pitch I'm going to throw. And that makes sense. Um, and, but just even we look at just the history of baseball and even now going into the modern era, like there is a lot of cheaters out there, man. Oh, and I'm not saying we should reward them. We should reward them all. But, like... Yeah, I mean, Gaylord Perry was using, using like, sandpaper. I mean, he's right. the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, like, it's not... The Hall of Fame isn't isn't filled with a bunch of choir boys. Of course not. You know, so we just have to... We got to remember that when we're, when we're deciding who... When we're with the moral police of who cheated the game, who didn't, who deserves a spot in, 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 in Cooperstown, who doesn't. And you know, you know what I always say, Kevin. The issue, the biggest issue I have with how we're legislating this steroid thing right now is the guys who were the best are the guys we're not putting in. Like that to me is fundamentally unfair. Like there are guys who just aren't getting the look because we just assume they use steroids without any proof, who have better numbers than some guys that are getting in. And I don't see how that makes any sense, and I don't see how that's fair. Like that's that's what bothers me. Is is that aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or if you're a pitcher, you just seem to just get the benefit of the doubt. Why? Like, Roger Clemens couldn't have been the only pitcher who used steroids in the 90s. That's impossible. There's no way that that's the case. Uh, so that's that's the issue I had. Like, you know, like it was why Mike Piazza got held. Why someone like Craig Biggio, who was a great player, who I definitely should have been in the Hall of Fame, but someone like Craig Biggio gets in for Jeff Bagwell. Who, if as me, who's a Mets fan in the National League, who watched those Astros teams, you're an idiot if you think that you were more afraid <laughs> of Jeff Bagwell, less afraid of Jeff Bagwell than Craig Biggio when he played against the Astros. Like it is like you just, you just don't really, like that's just a lie. Like Bagwell was the most feared hitter on that team, without question. The idea that Biggio would get ahead of him makes zero sense. He only got in because people didn't think he used steroids because he didn't hit a lot of home runs, and that that is ridiculous. So because Bagwell yeah. was better, he got punished. Because a guy like Piazza was good, they got punished. Like that and shouldn't be happening. Look, I, this is a and this is a separate issue. But like I, I watch, I watched the uh, the ESPN documentary backstory on uh, on Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson, and great documentary by the way. It's only an hour. You should check it out if you're a baseball fan. But um, I, I'm starting to feel like Pete Rose maybe should get another get another look. You know he and that's a, that's a base that's a major league baseball thing, not a Hall of Fame question. Like yeah, baseball, I mean, so baseball has to unban him. Therefore, yeah, baseball has to unban him for the Hall of Fame to, to want to take a look. But yeah. um, I mean, the Hall of Fame can do whatever they want, but they just they have yeah, a, they, that's they have the rule that they're of, that they're doing now. You know, it's anyone that's banned from baseball, we're not going to consider. No, so it's funny because like Major League Baseball like came out and was like, "Oh, our ban is meant to is meant to only be for your life." 
Yeah, lifetime. It's not. It's past. not like past when you die. In the baseball hall of fame, is like, yeah, we don't not care. Us. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, no, nah, we don't care. You're you're banned for eternity as long right. as you have a lifetime ban. So like, Major League Baseball tried to throw them some some bail, and they were like, nah, we're good. Yeah, they no, they don't want to shoot Joe Jackson in. Which I don't know. Even that one's a little shaky, but um. I don't know. I just look at it with Pete Rose. Like, look, I don't know. I like we don't know the full extent of what he did as a player. We don't really know if he did anything. But I mean, look, as far as we know, like he he didn't he, he didn't affect any games as bad as some other guys have. No, you know, Pete Rose so should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, yeah, like it's it's kind of crazy. To I'm me, not saying Pete Rose again. Pete Rose. I'm not saying he's a good person or what. You know, he's a saint (laughs) from any stretch of the imagination. But you can't tell the story of baseball without Pete Rose in it. 1,000%. He absolutely should be in. It's it's a shame that he isn't. Uh, But, yeah, I do do hope that this uh, uh, disaster situation and and as we move away from the steroid era, it will help other guys. Like, you know, especially excited maybe for my guy Todd Helton, who's sitting at, you know, 29%, but after Larry Walker got in, Maybe people will start to give Todd Helton a better look and not, you know, just paint him in for the steroid era guys who then played also played in Coors Field. Todd Helton had had a one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three. He had a five year stretch where every year he hit at least two, three thirty and hit at least thirty home runs and drove in a hundred runs pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Todd Helton gets in for Barry Bonds, DJ. I mean, look. Look, it's a joke. Barry Bonds should be in. You know my feeling on that. But that's another. Oh, that's, that's, that's that's the question. That's we, again the, the beating the dead horse question. We but, know the NOS. <laughs> you know Ty Helton was not nearly <laughs> the, the monster in the NOS that Barry Bonds was. Now obviously, look, maybe there was extreme reasons why, but uh, I don't know. Man, Ty Helton batted three seventy two one year. Like that was crazy. That like he he's a, he's a whole playing, he's playing a little league baseball park with no air. But no, just but shout out to shout out to Todd Helton and major shout again, major shout out to the Hall of Famers this year, Larry Walker and uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, quickly, Ken, though, I know I said quickly that I went mad long, but who is your Flames this week? Well, uh, Flames for me this week is a uh, fifteen-year-old Coco Golf, who uh, obviously she she uh, broke the scene, she blasted onto the scene uh, at the U.S. Open uh, last year in 2019 when she upset Venus Williams. The opening round ended up losing to Naomi Osaka. Uh, I don't remember which round, maybe in the third round, but ended up losing to Naomi, Naomi Osaka from Japan in that tournament. Um, well, she is flames this week because she did the exact same thing, upsetting Venus Williams in the first round of the Australian Open this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not think it was a coincidence that they were <laughs> they're facing each other uh, on the draw. Um, you know, ESPN, I'm sure, put in put in a uh, good word uh, for, to have that matchup, have that rematch. But uh, Coco Golf won again, so very very impressive at 15 years old. She now will, and she also won a second game, her second match. But uh, in the third round, she's matched up again against Naomi Osaka from Japan. Uh, as we're recording this, they actually will be facing each other at 3 a.m., so I will not be watching. Uh, maybe, I mean, you never be, you're, sometimes I've woken up to Australian Open matches, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> if I'm awake, you know, it's a three-hour match. 
Yeah, I, 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 we, last time we actually got to see a lot of the Coco match because we were doing the podcast so late. Yeah, we, yeah, that we that match was only like that was a eleven o'clock match. So yeah. like this one though is yeah. too much. Yeah, this one's three a.m. So yeah, I don't mean no, anybody. No for me, dog. <laughs> I think anybody, last, not... last time Naomi beat the brakes off of Coco. Yeah, and I look, I showed her, <laughs> showed her no mercy, showed her no mercy. You know, but and and Osaka like she it, it's it it makes sense, you know, because like that I want to say like that Coco's taking her lane because obviously Osaka's still obviously huge in Japan, uh, and but like she I mean she before Coco Golf came up like she was the next one in tennis, she was the next Serena Williams. Yeah, well, in many ways, like Osaka is kind of. Just she's there now, like she's the person, like she was the I next mean, yeah, she's one. Number three, and now she is. Yeah, she won yeah, another yeah. major so, last year, and she's the biggest name in, in women's tennis outside, outside of Serena. Serena. Right. So in many so, cases, she's no longer the next one. She's just yeah a superstar. She's just the one, but you know, <laughs> go hook off is not far behind. Right. You know, in terms of like celebrity appeal, so uh, there's motivation for her to want to to want to dominate in that kind of a matchup but um this will be a this is this will be a heck of a test for Coco Golf. she obviously again she's 15 years old so if she loses i don't care you know like still extremely impressive that yeah you're gonna be the, the defending australian open champion a two-time yeah. major three champion ranked top three ranked world. player who also I mean, was a phenom now entering the prime of their career you yeah, lose if you're this 15 match, years no old worries. you're eating professionals and even competing against professionals as we saw Luka Doncic, like, chances are you're going to be incredible. As long as you don't suffer any level of burnout, like, she, she should be fine. Um, but, yeah, so she's my uh, flame this week. Yeah, massive shout-out to Coco Golf, man. She's just such an inspiration, uh, a, a prodigal. Is that how you say that? Prodigal, whatever it's yeah, called? prodigal, prodigious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talent. Just see her play. I mean, it's you don't think she's 15 years old when you watch her play because of how, how skilled she is. I mean... Um, if you guys get a chance, you know, again, I'm not sure if this is the match to watch because of what we saw last time, though, who knows? I hope Coco maybe gives her a great run. I mean, well, I'd be watching it if it wasn't at 3 a.m. Yeah, and pulls off an upset. Like, I know I, I watched the last match, and that was not pretty. The only but, thing you worry about is just, and it's good because, like, look, if it's not good, it, it's quick. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, the... The the, the 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 good part of it. That is funny, yeah, because, in, in, like, baseball, like, a bad game, like, takes forever. Because like if a team's getting blown out, like they're scoring a lot of runs, like it's All right. But in soccer, and I mean, excuse me, in tennis, you know, a bad match is over very quickly. Um, right. So, so, but yeah, definitely, man, uh, definitely check out Coco. She's she's a great talent, one of the best young athletes we have in the world, and and to see her doing this as a young teenager is remarkable. So massive shout out to her. Uh, my trash this week. I hate to do this. Um, hate, hate, hate to do this because anybody who knows me, who knows my love of hip hop knows, or even listen to the intros of the show sometimes, because I've certainly probably used his music. Um, I love Snoop Dogg, but he's my trash this week, man. Um, and I, I really hate to do this to the dog father, but D-O-double-G has to get this smoke, man. He has to get this flames, I mean, this trash, because... He is an avid sports fan, and I get. And I, 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 what I will say, despite me disowning anything he's about to say in this next clip, I 
do suggest you follow Snoop Dogg on Instagram or whatever platforms he's on because hearing him talk about anything involving sports is super funny. I think if anyone was smart, they try to do a Snoop Dogg sports show. I think that that would do great ratings. If Snoop Dogg wants to do a podcast on New Generation Podcast Network, he's welcome to do one despite me uh, considering him trash this week. And I got to say he's trash because of his take on Luka Doncic. Doncic in his second year um, as a 20-year-old is having, again, a remarkable season. He was just voted to the All-Star Game as a starter, well-deserved, and certainly earned. But Snoop Dogg has problems with people considering Doncic's 20-year-old season to be the best 20-year-old season ever. And here's what he had to say. Here's a debate. They saying that Luka Doncic is the best 20-year-old. That's a mother He good, but he ain't the best mother 20-year-old to ever play in the in the NBA, don't you ever disrespect Moses Malone, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, all the was 20 years old, and they was dogs, and the league was harder to play in. This soft-ass league, and he still can't do nothing. We blowing their asses out right now. Look at the Lakers. Blowing their dog asses out. He only got 14 points. Talking about he the greatest 20-year-old of all time. Probably in Europe, not in America. That was stupid, dog. Obviously, the Lakers were playing the Mavericks. They were beating them. Luka did not have his best night. And he was... Well, funny to me about that, before yeah, you go, go ahead. He said, like, look, he got 14 points. Like, wasn't it, like, the second quarter? Yeah, it was, a, it was a third quarter. So he was well on his way to probably get into his average. <laughs> yeah, he, he could have easily had 30 in the game. Like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like, oh, he got, you know, five points. Like, even though his, even his case would still be ridiculous, but at least he was like, oh, well, he's, he's having a bad game. Like, what's going on? They got 14. I look at the, yo, they showed the stat line too. Like in the video, like he points to the, he shows the stat line yeah. when it shows up. And like, he's got 14 points, five rebounds, and five assists in the beginning of the third quarter. Right. <laughs> like he, yeah. he could, he's on his way to a triple double, a 25 point game. Like he's, he's going to have a great number at the end. Uh, but man, I got to call Snoop Trash on this because as I told my friend, my good friend, um, Martin Torres, on social media. I think I told him. Maybe I told you. I think it was Martin Torres. But anyway. Uh, I told someone. That this is why. Younger generations of fans. Discredit. And ignore. Old heads talking about basketball. Because. Most of the time. As someone who. Speaks to my father about basketball all the time. And he's super smart about basketball. And I learn a lot. Most of the time, they have a lot of great, important things that younger fans should know about. That you, if you go on social media, if you hear these younger analysts or younger talking heads go on TV and spew nonsense about the history of the game, how the game didn't exist until Jordan showed up or until, Co- or until Kobe showed up or until LeBron, LeBron, LeBron showed up. LeBron's the, best, LeBron's the best player to ever wear a Laker uniform, EJ. Yes, exactly. That legitimately came out of someone's mouth recently. Like, when you hear those things, like, that's why hearing the older people who have seen the game before you have or have, or maybe were fans for longer than you were, it's important to have their perspective. But the other issue with the old head basketball mindset that Snoop Dogg is, is sadly in in this state is Sometimes they're overprotective of their eras of basketball. I don't know why. Maybe I'll get to that point at some point. 
Because, I mean, I feel like I'm almost 30 years old, and I've watched a lot of basketball. So I don't know what I would say is my era of basketball. I've watched basketball in the late 90s. I've seen basketball throughout the entire 20, 2000 decade, and then I just finished the 10s. I don't know what my era of basketball is. I've watched basketball for almost 30, well, for me, probably 23, 24 years. Like, I've watched a lot of basketball. Like, but sometimes they hold on to certain eras, and this is, to me, is clearly Snoop Dogg not... Not just holding on to an era and holding on to something that isn't remotely real in the context of comparing him to Luka Doncic. Because do I? The only thing I could I could even co-sign with him on this is that yes, this is a softer league, and yes, the defense isn't as good, and those guys played in a harder league. I mean that I can attest to. But yeah, again, older, I need to. Get, it was harder. There, he has he has points in there. I him. get that, and I and that's why, and I'm gonna give him that credit. He's not wrong with that, but I want to give you Luka Doncic's numbers and put that in perspective of who he compared him to. So again, to repeat, Luka Doncic this season is averaging 29 points, 9.7 rebounds, and nine assists on 46 percent shooting. And, and I don't care what ever you're playing him; those are absurd numbers for a 20 year old. He's 20 years old. Those are his numbers. First person you name is Kobe Bryant. I'm going to give you Kobe Bryant's 20-year-old season. That was his third year in the NBA. In a lockout season that was only 50 games, Kobe averaged 20 points a game, pretty much on the dot, 19.9. I just gave him the 20, round up. Five rebounds, 3.8 assists on 46% shooting. Really great season. If there was an all-star game, Probably would have made the All-Star game. Would have been a second appearance. For a 20-year-old, that's a great season. But it's 50 games in a lockout year. He's playing next to Shaq. And Nick Van Exel and Eddie, Eddie Jones. He also mentioned Kevin Garnett. Another Hall of Fame great player. 20-year-old season. It was his first year making the All-Star game. I remember when it happened. Because he was the youngest guy to ever make an all- to start an All-Star game. So it was, it was big news. Kevin Garnett. 17 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks were his numbers on 50% shooting as a 20-year-old. The last guy he mentioned was Moses Malone. Let me preface this. I think Moses Malone is one of, if not the most, underrated legend in NBA history. So let me preface that before I go into what he said. Moses Malone is 13-time All-Star Eight-time All-NBA, two-time All-NBA defensive team, finals MVP, three-time league MVP. For a guy with these credentials who never gets mentioned amongst the greatest of all time, it's, 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 a, it's, it's unfortunate. But in his 20th season, playing in the ABA, Moses Malone played 43 games and averaged 14 points and nine rebounds. There is no basketball argument to make that any of those guys had better seasons or have played better than Luka Doncic in his 20-year-old season. None. And if you're making that argument, you're a bad faith actor. I mean, come on. Yeah, this, yeah, he, look, th- that is 14 only, points look, a game? But the conversation in is, the ABA? I'm, come on, man. Yeah, come look, on, Snoop. Think, Snoop, you, you know, Snoop, you know the game. You, that you is nonsense. Now, the 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 only because this conversation has been popular. We haven't had it, but, you know, is Luka Doncic the greatest 20-year-old ever? 
I didn't even know this conversation was happening. Nash. This seems like a ridiculous conversation. Yeah, Steve Nash has, has been the guy that, you know, he was the first one to really come out and say he might be. You know, look, I, the only guys you have to talk about are, are Magic and LeBron. Exactly. Those are the only guys we're talking about. Magic won a championship and finals MVP at 20 years old. And LeBron obviously put up com- comparable numbers to what, comparable numbers to what uh, Doncic has. So those are the only two guys that we, that, that, that you have to discuss. Um, and look, I'll be honest. I like, as much as I am a, a Doncic fan, and as much as I am, you know, I'm the biggest Doncic over Trey Young guy, you'll find. But, I mean, anytime we have this who's the greatest 20-year-old or who's having the greatest season at this age, like, Trey Young's got to be in the conversation as well. Of I mean, course. He's not winning a lick, but he's also having 29 points a game. Of course. You know, like, he's ahead of a lot of those guys that we dog mentioned. But, um, but no, yeah, I, Magic probably is the only guy. I would say. I think Mag- I think LeBron deserves credit, too. LeBron averaged 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, playing in a much slower-paced team, playing 80 games in 42 minutes. I mean, that's crazy and remarkable. And I think that that's, to me, those are the two guys I think have a true stake for the best 20-year-old seasons. But, yeah, like, yeah. his team wasn't didn't win. His Moses didn't Malone win. and Kevin Garnett. I mean, come yeah. on. That's, that is, that's absurd. Cause that that what's what's so impressive about what Doncic is doing is that he, I mean, look, he came to a team that obviously was trash when he got there, has had no expectations even coming into this season. I had expectations on him, but a lot of people did not have expectations for this team, and has him as one of the best teams in the Western Conference, which is was the most impressive part about it. Um, now look, Magic obviously is playing with. Kareem, he was hurt in the NBA Finals, but uh, obviously he was playing with Kareem, that helps. Um, but he also was the best player on the floor. Because playing, Dr. J, Dr. J and J Legends. Yeah. You know, arguably prime. So I, 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 I won't have that debate. But yeah, no, nah, I mean, those other guys, you know, I can't take Suzuki too seriously on that. I, I, I get the whole argument. Look, like I said, the NBA, like the NBA now is, is a young man's league. It's it's kind of sad, but it's the way the the way with the the one and done and the guys coming out and guys are retiring earlier. And I think guys are retiring earlier because there's more young guys coming in. Got guys coming from Europe, two way contracts, the G League. Like the NBA is becoming a a young guys league, and because of that, we're gonna it's gonna be easier for guys to come in right away and, and dominate. Because yeah. you're gonna be playing against a lot of same guys you're playing against in college and in high school. So it, it's 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 not the way it was back in the day. And back in the day, you're a rookie coming in 20 years old. You're 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 playing excuses that are 22, 23 when Kobe and KG came in or Moses Malone. So it's not it's not as if it, it's easier. But I mean, if we're being real, like Luka Doncic was still would have been. I don't know if he would have been averaging 29. Almost certainly, he'd be 20, averaging a lot. 20. Yeah, he would <laughs> average at least 20. He'd be averaging a lot. You know, yeah. like that's why I, that's and that's why I have that's why I, this conversation frustrates me because now someone who doesn't have the context for me to make the case that Moses Malone is one of the greatest of all time and is super underrated they'll just go to Moses Malone's stats and be like man Moses Malone has 14 points he was a bum and now like they're and they'll just oh Snoop Dogg is an old guy he's a hater and like now like because you see and you see it all the time you know this war 
of new brand of thinking of basketball and old brand of thinking. Sometimes it's new and old. Sometimes it's analytical and, and X to the nose or just eye test, like we talked about with Coach Nick on basketball from Basketball Breakdown. Like, this doesn't help when you say obviously stupid stuff just for the sake of protecting your era of basketball. That's why this, this, this to me was such a stupid statement. It's like, that's clearly not true. Anybody who from any era can see that that's not true. Why, you look like a hater. And now you're just, you're you're pushing that narrative. Oh, these old dudes, they just hating on the guys that are playing now. The players today. Always talking about, oh man, these old guys, they always hating on us. You're just there's pushing a, that same narrative. Level. But saying nonsense, that doesn't make any sense. There's just a different level to some of these guys that were, that are just being mentioned like, It'd be one thing, like again, if you if he said like a Trey Young or a Devin Booker when he was twenty, like guys that if you want to talk about name guys that are looters in a riot, right? You know, but just the guys in the the I mean, look, Carl Anthony Towns when he was twenty, the numbers he was putting up with Lou Doncic was doing like these guys are putting up historic numbers. Yeah, in recent years there are plenty of twenty year olds that have had great seasons that have great numbers. But and, you know, like we can't we can't like poo-poo it for the sake of just the era of basketball is easier now look there are there are certain guys that i do think look put them in a different era they're not they're not going to be nearly as good you know they maybe would still be effective but you know it, it like just the, the sheer numbers aren't gonna be the same and there are certain guys from back then that you put in this in this era would dominate Luka Doncic right now i don't even know it's, i don't think it's arguable it's Probably a top ten player in the NBA. That's being kind. I yeah, I would say uh, look offensively, he's a, he's a top five offensive. Offensively, he's top five. We want to talk about defense. Uh, I don't know. I, overall, I don't think defense is, <laughs> is that important. Unfortunately, nobody's playing defense in the NBA. Right. So like because of that, I would say he's his his, his impact player. on the game overall. His impact, he's a top ten player. Yeah. None of the guys Snoop Dogg mentioned were even well. No, none of those guys were top ten players. Like maybe nah. argue Kobe was in the top twenty, maybe top fifteen. What ninety eight, ninety nine, all right, ninety nine, all right. Yeah, yeah, he's a pro. No, a two way player, average almost twenty points. Like you can make the case he might have been top ten at that point in his career, especially at that age. Like, right, twenty years old. Like he's playing over a team that going to the conference finals. I could make you can make the case he was top twenty for sure, and maybe make the case that he was pushing top ten. You can't make the case for those other two guys. Not even close. Like, it, it's not even close. Like, it, it's just a ridiculous statement. Anyway, but I still love Snoop Dogg. He's, you know, he's the reason why I love hip-hop, in my opinion. If you ask me my how I got into loving hip-hop. So, I forever love Snoop Dogg. And it pains me to do that, but he had to be trash this week. Kendall, who's your uh, trash this week? Yes, trash this week for me was uh, Silvio De Sousa. Uh, for those who do not recognize the name probably every, like everybody who didn't see the fight this week yes the fight i'm not talking about ej's not talking about the conor mcgregor uh no, cowboy fight definitely not uh, he was not on the undercard uh we were talking about uh the kansas kansas state brawl that happened uh at fall Field fieldhouse um it started with uh can't well it started with uh you know kansas blowing out uh kansas state shocking you know, at Fog Islands, a normal occurrence. And uh, De Sousa from Kansas, their big man, uh, dribbling the ball out, you know, victory formation, uh, more or less. And Kansas State, 
goes and the, the guard, a guard on Kansas State, Dewan Gordon, comes out and strips DeSousa, uh, goes in for a layup. DeSousa tracks him down and, you know, throws a shot into the stands, blocks it, stares him down, steps over him. And after that, Kansas State players were not having it. A brawl. <laughs> they were ready to start a brawl at that point. DeSousa was uh, was also ready for the smoke. Uh, obviously, if you haven't seen the video, you can check it out. I'm not going to give you a play-by-play of the entire fight, but um, it was ugly. It went into the stands, more or less. At least the, the seat, they had a seating area behind the bench or behind the, 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 the basket, and it went into the stands. Uh, what's terrible about that fight is that apparently, according to Bill Self, that was an area for the disabled. And if you look mm. at the video, there certainly are some people there that wheelchairs or whatever you want to classify disabled it was it was, it was uh evident so that was very problematic and you know i give the susa uh trash this week because look the the, uh, the 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 image that has been circulating that has been that circled the internet uh since that fight has been the image of the susa grabbing a stool getting ready to use it uh, apparently getting ready to use it as a weapon before assistant Jarence Howard grabs him, he kind of D'Souza kind of then realizes, like, well, if I do this, like, <laughs> this is not gonna end well. So I, uh, so he puts it down and then proceeds to then attack whatever Kansas State players and proceeds to the fight. But uh, that imagery obviously is very ugly. Um, the whole fight was ugly. Uh, D'Souza did his best Ben Wallace impersonation, uh, instigating a fight that just not needed to happen. <laughs> You know, like just a, a very extreme reaction to to the situation, uh, and then then being the guy that's escalating everything. But um, I don't know. I just I again. And the other reason why he's trash is he is the guy in particular that can't be the one to do this. Like any any other player in the entire Big Twelve could have done what D'Souza did. And he may not have been. They, he may not have been trash, because look, fights happen. Guys instigate fights. It happens every year in college basketball. We don't always have to talk about it. You know, I mean, there was a kid from Illinois this week that got suspended for two games the same night. The Susa had his incident. He kicked a kid on Purdue. Yeah, he stepped, stepped on, right like, on him. Yeah, stepped on a kid from Purdue. Like, I mean, that kid that was a Trump move, a punk move. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't mention it because it's like, all right, it happens. You know, but. DeSouza is trash because he's also the same Kansas player that was suspended for all of last season uh, because of the college basketball FBI scandal and was alleged to have had a family member, runner, handler, whatever you want to consider the guy. I don't remember if it was a family member. Uh, someone in his inner circle take money from, I guess, a booster Kansas. I mean, that whole situation is very foggy, what you classify. But someone from DeSouza's camp took money. And he was suspended and eventually got reinstated uh, because the NCAA was, you know, they realized the whole thing was a sham. But regardless, at that point, when you've been suspended and you've been embarrassed at the level that D'Souza was was last year, you can't be the one to start a brawl and lose your cool like that. You would think after he's been gifted a second chance to continue his, his basketball career, he would have the level-headedness to realize it's not worth it to realize, look, I'm going to get this block. If you, you can get the block if you want. It's a basketball play. You don't got to step over the guy. You don't got to taunt. If you want to taunt, 
all right, the guy pushes you, walk away. Yeah, but yeah. You Sorry. have at some level, the kid gets a steal. Don't chase him down. If you want to chase him down because the dude from Mom has dunked on you guys, started cursing <laughs> out the fans. All right, you want to chase him down? All right, get the block. You don't step, don't step over the guy. You step over the guy, you taunt the guy, and can't see wants to fight you. That's on you. You gotta walk away. Mm-hmm. But once you continue to escalate the situation to the point where you pick up a chair and you're ready to fight the guy, I mean, that was uh, just on multiple levels, just no, no head from Silvio D'Souza. So he's trash. I mean, and then Kansas came out with their nonsense indefinite suspension, which is always the worst thing. Which is I'm glad the Big Twelve at least came down with a specific punishment because I anytime I see indefinite suspension for something that like. From a university, and you know they can. We saw with Duke and Grayson Allen, indefinite suspension could be in one game. Right. So <laughs> it, <laughs> that was still one of the most re- corniest things I've ever seen. But regardless, Coach K, twenty nineteen corny? No. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Regardless, um, D'Souza is trash, UJ, uh, for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I cannot uh, confirm or deny any of the reporting that uh, D'Souza will be the 30th member of the uh, WWE Royal Rumble this weekend. Oh, I would love to see that. <laughs> but um, his wow. his ability to swing a chair certainly uh, certainly must have enticed uh, Vinnie Mac. Well, Vincent, might make more Vincent Kennedy McMahon, I'm sure, was in somewhere in Stanford, Connecticut being like, somebody get that, get that kid on the phone. To, uh, get that kid to full sale. <laughs> Get him in the NXT, get him an NXT contract. Yo, he might make more uh, room for NXT than he will, you know, playing for the the, the Windy City Bulls. Yo, man, Triple H be finding them from anywhere. It would not shock me if he gave D'Souza a contract as soon as his college career is over. It would not. Yeah. Just from that little incident. Probably uh, makes more Kansas than he did. They did an <laughs> NXT contract. <laughs> <laughs> that's, been, that's been the running joke this week is, uh, you know, D'Souza being... You saw even uh, during... Uh, Tennessee was playing Ole Miss. And I guess someone from the SEC Network, one of their play-by-play guys, was like, uh, yeah, I even heard, you know, Bill Self suspended him without pay. Oh, Jesus. I was like, wow. You can't say it. <laughs> no, you can't like, say it on national television. <laughs> Yo, that's, so, that's, that's, so, so, that's so funny, though. That That's program. so funny that I almost commend the guy for taking that shot because, like, that's, oh yeah, it's like, easy. I, like, you can't even be mad. Like that guy will not be suspended because like <laughs> that program becomes such a laughing stock. I know it becomes such a joke. I like I like Kansas fans. At, at what point do you say to yourself, "We don't have like the moral integrity to just let this continue"? I know. Yeah, you know, but like, it's just too did. embarrassing. Like we yeah. won the championships. We're not probably not going to win one anytime soon. The way this the the the, the trajectory of the program is going. Uh-huh. Like, at what point does Bill Self just kind of walk away? You kind of say, "All right, let's restart this thing." I, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I agree with everything. I don't know, but it seems like they're, they're afraid of what the what Kansas Kansas looks like. Yeah, what the grass is on the other side, and I get it. Um, I've seen. I, I mean, I am a Miami Hurricanes fan, and. The day Butch Davis went out the door and the team won a national championship, went to the next national championship, and then I saw the, the complete, you know, bottom fallout. And we haven't recovered since, literally since 2003, have not recovered. Like, I know what it's like to be in a certain position and then see it all just go away initially, uh, instantly rather. So 
I I get the it. Michigan football bully car. Yeah. Right. I get. I told. I totally get it, man. I totally get it. Uh, let's wrap it up, Kendall. What's uh, Kendall's court? Uh, Kendall's court this week. Um, speaking of college basketball, uh, we got the unveiling of the McDonald's All American Game uh, selections. Um, always a good event. Uh, I have no real gripes this year. You know, typically I have some gripes. My only gripe is that, uh, and obviously, look, all the names that you would expect, all the names we talked about in our video, uh, which you should check out, talking about the class of 2020 and the top players, Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, Evan Moley, Terrence Clark, they all got in. You know, no, there's no massive, massive snub. Um, but, I, one 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 pick that I, I I'm I'm fortunate that unfortunately didn't happen that I think is the biggest snub for me was uh Cam Thomas a guard from uh Virginia um who plays at Oak Hill Academy is he's committed to LSU he he's the all time leading scorer in the history of Oak Hill Academy basketball and also led the Nike EYBL AAU circuit. And scoring averaging 29 points a game uh did not make the, the all-american game so that was that was a little uh surprising but he's also committed to lsu so you know you kind of look at it and say look if he was he committed to duke or if he was committed to duke or in north carolina kentucky i mean duke and north carolina got all their commits in essentially i think carolina and, got like four guys yeah north carolina got four guys i mean rj davis shout out to him point guard from new york I mean, he's he's barely a top sixty recruit. You know, I'm glad he got in. I'm glad all these guys got in. No, there's no, there is no negative, there is no negative to any of these guys getting in. But um, it's just it's just strange that someone like Cam Thomas didn't get a didn't, didn't get a look, considering he's a consensus top twenty five guy and is arguably the best scorer in all of high school basketball. But um, other than that, though, I mean, probably you know a lot of big men. But I think they they like to they just like to have more traditional rosters, even though obviously the way of basketball is that less big men are, you know, valuable. But other than that, you know, I, I think it's a pretty standard list. Um, and also a lot of guys from California, by the way, but uh, to the West Coast are really stepping up after having some down years that we've talked about on this podcast before. <laughs> Yeah, the West Coast, uh, as we've seen, it, had seen it play out in college basketball. Definitely, uh, it's been a, a down portion, but they they certainly came back strong this year. It is unfortunate, someone like Cam Thomas, who while he did play, he, while he's going to LSU, he did play at Oak Hill Academy. So you would think you're a guy at Oak Hill. Yeah, you think politics would you know <laughs> Steve Smith would be able to put in a call? Yeah, that's that's. He, yeah, he went on Twitter with a whole thing saying you know saying, yeah, I don't like to complain, but how did my guy not get in basically? Yeah, you see some of these guys that got in, you know, Dawson Garcia, good player, but like you know, Dawson Garcia, another strange one. You know, he's a, he's going to Marquette. He's a four star according to ESPN. He's ranked forty three. You know, why how does he get in? Like, there, there, there are definitely some questionable ones to you know to some people, but I'm I'm happy for all these kids, including the quote unquote uh questionable. You know, obviously you hope all these kids can get in who are in the mix and you can only have twenty four spots. Right, because all these guys are really good, man. Of imagine, course, man. I mean RJ Davis, like I say, a kid from New York. Like imagine 
you know, EJ, playing against guys, you played against McDonald's All-Americans. Yes, I have. Yeah. Who also were probably shaky McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah, guys who you wonder if they should have got a pick, even though they're, they're great players, obviously. From the national from the national perspective, but you've played against them, and like those guys are like crazy. Right, exactly. They're incredible, you know? incredible talents. So, like, there is no, like, guy that, you know, is not good enough to be McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah. That's now, one, that's one guy yeah. that, like, is just in general overrated by the services and like maybe won't have the impact in college basketball or the NBA that was expected. But like in terms of like high school basketball, like in terms of hype and production, like these guys are all worthy of maybe all American status. If you're ranked in the top fifty, yeah. There's no such thing. You're not good enough to be McDonald American. Absolutely. Anybody in the top fifty is is nutso in terms of how good they are as a high school basketball player. And you know, I you know I don't ever you know come on the show and tout my basketball abilities, but the one thing I do like to do is is frame how I talk about particularly basketball players, really any athletes, with the idea of being someone who was someone who played against and amongst these great athletes. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you see these guys who maybe they did at some point, maybe they did years ago, but haven't done it in a long time, or guys who never got close to even playing. And I didn't play in college, but I played in a very competitive league in high school. And you see, you play a Kemba Walker. You know, you play an Irving Walker who went to Florida, a Sylvan Landsberg who went to Virginia, a Doron Lamb who won a national championship at UConn. I mean, you at Connecticut. Um, so you, you – uh, Kentucky, right? That's at Connecticut. What am I saying? Um, it's late, obviously. You get, you, know, you get a perspective of how great these guys really are. Some, like Kemba Walker, who may be also, some who may not, but are still great players. Sometimes you hear the way these people talk about athletes, even the guys who maybe aren't the stars, or aren't LeBron or Luca or Anthony Davis. You know, this guy's a bum. This guy, you know, it's like, and you get to even the McDonald American level. You know, maybe, maybe half of these guys will play in the NBA. Like, that's still remarkable. And you know, the one, the thing that my my like new year's resolution is not a resolution for myself though i am trying to work on it but my resolution for the world is i wish that our discourse was better we spoke about people more respectfully and i would love i would absolutely love to have extended that to like sports media cuz you see the way like people on sports media talk about athletes and their abilities when like they they couldn't think about grabbing a football or basketball and doing anything of note like it just takes a little bit of that awareness. I like to take that a little bit into consideration. Have them being someone who tried to play against those guys and saw how great they were and realized, yeah, I'm not on that level. Like, those people who maybe don't have the experience, they should think about that when they talk about them. Shout out to all these guys who made them down American game. I wish them great luck in the future um, in this game and, of course, going into college or Europe or overseas if they decide to play overseas next year. That will be it for this week's edition of new generation sports talk i really hope you guys enjoyed it i had a lot of fun doing this show particularly i hope you did kendall as well of course you can catch all of our shows on the new generation podcast network on soundcloud itunes stitcher and tune in also pretty sure to check out our youtube channel new generation media as kendall mentioned we have a new video that's out today it is our nba draft uh comparison breakdown video so it's the first time we've ever done this me and Kendall took five players from the 2020, the projected players in the 2020 draft class, went into the tape, looked into guys who we thought were comparable, and made a breakdown of these players. We haven't done it before. We thought it'd be really cool. Um, I think it came out great. It's one of the 
one of the most proudest videos I've done since we've been doing this in terms of just not only us talking, but even like editing and finding old footage and putting it together. I had, it took a while, but I had fun doing it. So definitely check that out. Again, you can find that on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. You can find that on, on, uh, on YouTube. Obviously, make sure you like our videos and of course, subscribe to our channel. Find us on social media, Facebook, New Generation Media, Twitter, New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. That's plural with an S. Also, follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed again. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.